everyone. Welcome to Player vs. Plot, the podcast where we take video game stories seriously. I am Lindsay. And I'm Sterling, welcoming you all back for season two of Player vs. Plot. <laughs> and I'm Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you don't also want to welcome everybody back? Uh, no, no, I think Sterling did a good job. Welcome enough after that. And welcome to a fabulous episode on Sekiro. So what have you guys been up to during the, the gap? The, the season hiatus? Two, besides this. Um, playing all of the games we're trying to do for <laughs> season two and still also Slay the Spire. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it does, it's a creepy thing that I see exactly when and how long you guys play Slay the Spire. And No, you don't much... even see how long I play it because we're not friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, every time I turn on my Switch, it's like, hey, welcome back. Also, Sterling's playing Slay the Spire. Yeah. <laughs> It's, we're cranking through all of the achievements. Sometimes I'll be texting Sterling and I'll be like, what is he doing? <laughs> it's like, you show up on the screen. On Sterling's playing Slay the Spire. It's very good. And the listeners can't see the face I'm making, but it's very, it's very upset at Sterling. It's like a frown, maybe a snarl. There's disappointment for sure. Yes. A little jealousy. He still has fewer achievements than I do on it though. So he's got to put the time in to catch up with me is what I'm saying. Yeah, I've just been playing a little bit of Slay the Spire. Um, kind of slowed down a bit on my game playing, unfortunately. But <laughs> I am cranking through all of the games that we were planning to do yeah. this season. Yeah. I Oh, I well, I guess this is, I don't know if this is spoiling some of the season, but I've been playing Disco Elysium, which is not in the season. I was going to say, I was mentally going so through our So it's like the opposite you're, uh, of spoiler. You're, yeah, that, I was like, you're spoiling this to me. This is kind of like, <laughs> wait a second. Have I been prepping the wrong things? Uh, I think this is definitely a game we should cover. You I'll finished say that. I finished one playthrough? One playthrough. And it's one where it's worth multiple playthroughs. Is that right? Um, I would say it's worth at least one, which is already praise Saying something, me. right? Uh, I think I could easily see myself playing it again. Okay. It's only because we have so much stuff to cover for this season that I haven't done another one yet. Right. Like? The Last of Us. Okay, so you just finished that one. I just made an executive decision on that, saying that part of the season. <laughs> I think sometimes it's it's good to know what's coming up. We talked about it a little on the end of season uh, I mean, one there's also. There's a big one that we already mentioned. Chrono Trigger. Yes, I am about halfway through that right now. and I've been watching, and it's... It's a lot of fun seeing somebody play through it again for the first time. I, yeah, yes. I, guys, there are so many things I didn't know about this game. I've just spent most of my life being told I should play it. Yeah. And I am, I, you don't know how relieved I am that you like it because this <laughs> is one of the defining games of my childhood. So, so if I hadn't liked it, would this podcast it's, be, it'll over? be over? It's just over. <laughs> You'd be like, Lindsay's clearly not qualified. She has no eye for Forget games. the election. This is what divides us. <laughs> <laughs> Do, are you pro or anti Chrono Trigger? Uh, I would like to be on the record as pro, pro Chrono Trigger. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> well, I'm pro frog, but anti Marl. Anti robot. We'll get there. We'll get there. We can't delve into this now. This is an episode about Sekiro, and we should focus mainly on Sekiro, so no spoilers for Chrono Trigger. Yet, yeah. But spoilers for Sekiro. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. At least two of us, huge Soul Series fans all the way back from Demon's Souls. Yeah, starting with Demon's Souls onward. Maybe even Kingsfield, if you count that. Lindsay, big Bloodborne fan. I did, yeah. I I, I liked Bloodborne a lot. Uh, the first Dark Souls game, 
I played because Sterling loves it. Mm-hmm. And it was a little slow for me, especially because well, I played Bloodborne, Bloodborne first. Yeah, for sure. So then I was like, oh, I guess these games are cool. So Dark Souls 1 didn't do it for me. Dark Souls 3 I really liked. I got like, I finished it. I was like, this is fun. This is cool. I won't this let her play needed. Dark Souls 2. Oh, I know. I'm sorry, audience, but <laughs> it's just bad. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's ugh. you know what? Here, I'll say this. I'll I'll bridge this gap. It it has things to say, and I think that that is worthy of respect. And if you ever look at the development history of Dark Souls Two, yes, it is fucked. And the fact that they put out a game that so many people like and, is, and have made happy—it's an incredible achievement. That's yes, I think that's so, incredible. So. Hats off to them. Right. And I guess... I hate this game, though. I, yeah. I, I'm with you, Chris. I hate it. I think that it just didn't meet anything that I was expecting from it. So it let, doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just not what I wanted. Well, let, let's stick to the positive side, right? So, so far in this series, which, I mean, obviously, it's it's very reductive and diminishing to just call Sekiro like a Souls game and that's yeah, it. The Souls born. But it, it shares some storytelling elements with those games for sure. And mechanical concepts. And mechanical stuff. What do you guys like about the storytelling? What do you associate with the storytelling of the Soul series uh, so far? With that style? Or, so, or I should say the Souls. Yeah. Uh, Souls-like games. Souls-like games from from software. Are they all Miyazaki as well? Uh, um, all the ones we've mentioned are. Except for Dark Souls 2. Yeah, right, not okay. Dark Souls 2. Um, and so, varying levels of involvement in them too. Sekiro... Uh, directed by Miyazaki, not really written by him. Okay. Right. Um, so what makes a Souls-like game to me is the ability to discover the story on your own terms. And this is mainly done through item descriptions and item placement throughout the world. Um, I, I think this is an important aspect that really builds the world in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Uh, I know when I was playing Dark Souls and Demon Souls, where items were and what the items said made me feel like I was an archaeologist, almost like Indiana yeah. Jones going through the world and uncovering hidden secrets about mythical f- figures. Um, and and as, a, as a consequence of that, would you agree that th- this lends itself to the game's being very concerned with your relationship with the past? Yeah, I'd, I'd say in a way that's true. I feel like in all these games, you're definitely trying to get your feet under you. You mm-hmm. kind of are thrown into it. They don't They don't really care about your character's backstory or your character's... You don't have a classic... You personally don't have a classic story arc. I feel like generally your arc is developing your relationship with the world around you yes. and finding your place in the your, world around your, you. Your arc is usually that you have a series of binary decisions and those decisions hinge on how you feel about the, the world as established to you. Yeah. And I think it's really how you interact with the past um, because it tells you what the world was and that's why the world is the way it is now. And from that knowledge that you gained through the Souls-like storytelling, you can come to your own decision, which is what made Dark Souls 1 so interesting to me. Because you you could go through and figure out like, oh, this is my goal. My goal is to rekindle the flame so that the Age of Gods can go on. Or you can find the secret Dark Stalkers. I can't remember. Almost everything in that game has a, a primary 
expression that you are expected to see and, and interpret. And then it always carries some second meaning that once you learn more facts about the world, you recontextualize what you're looking at. It definitely rewards you for going further, for diving deeper into the world. The more you you want to yes. look, the more you'll be able to understand what's happening. And it's and, and I think what makes it so cool is that the game itself, at least for Dark Souls and definitely in Sekiro, but the gameplay is so good that I know in my first playthrough, I didn't care about the item descriptions. I kind of breezed right past them because I wanted for, to... For which game? For Dark Souls. Oh, okay. Because after I've got so familiar with Dark Souls, I started treating everything yeah. with like the kind of reverence that it, and I, I think I, it and deserves. And I think that's normal because uh, the way the game is set up, if you read no items and you just listen to what people say, there is a complete story there. I think it plays on a lot of genre expectations and like imagery to communicate things that are not literally said. Yes. But the story is there. It's just that that story changes substantially once you start reading. And I think Sekiro kind of follows some of that. I think it's more direct. It it is more direct. And I think that it is a bit more explicit than Dark Souls was. Um, But it hides its story behind certain trees towards to the ending oh okay yeah so you don't get a full picture of everything that's going on in Sekiro until you unearth different ways forward and different ways to contextualize your own relationship with the characters in the game I also think you brought up Chris genre and using some of the genre framework this is such an interesting genre to tackle yeah because it is set in a you know a, a historical Japanese period, I assume it's the like the Shogunate War. Uh, it's the uh, Sengoku yeah, era. Sengoku. Okay, which okay. is uh, I just looked this up, but like fifteen hundreds like to eighteen hundreds, fourteen to like sixteen hundred okay. or something. Let me double. It's check. like literally two hundred years of no governing body of the country you're 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 closer than i was it was 1467 to 1615 according to uh, wikipedia okay and and it's a popular period even though like not a lot really changes about the country it's like the country is stagnant because there's like a blanket mood yeah because there is just you know a whole bunch of little family-owned territories that are just never sure what their relationship with another family is going to be from and year it, to year. It's plausible for anyone to have a sense of power and yes. like a, a sense of being a protagonist in a story when there's no real centralized power. Yes. Right. And, and, and the desire for a centralized power is there. It's just when you live in a system where your most defining feature about you as a warrior class is your loyalty to your own lord – who are you to say, hey, wouldn't it be easier if we just submit to this other lord? Yeah. To make Which things easier. Is the background for, for this game. Yeah, and, right? and and for, yeah, during this 200-year period of the Sengoku era, um, I mean, the emperor still existed, but as you were saying with the shogunate, um, people were more loyal to that power, and that emperor's position was almost ceremonial. It was yeah. a figurehead that people were like, yeah, it's a thing, but does it really hold any real power? And to give you an idea, too, of how little, I don't know if I should say how little, but what it took to, quote unquote, unify the country, the person to first do most of that work was Nobunaga or Oda Nobunaga. Okay. Who you probably see a lot in popular Japanese media. He's got like, like I was about to say he's got black hair. He's got, <laughs> he's got like, he wears black a lot. He's like 
Christian in some depictions. He like has guns. He's like a vi- like a okay. visionary. He sounds. He's very very interesting cool. figure. He's super. There's interesting. a lot happening. He's he's referenced to Neo too. If you yeah. uh, if okay. you get around if, to if that, if you're reading a story about Sengoku and there's some coming like climax of the story or some doom coming or some abrupt ending coming. It's probably because <laughs> Nobunaga guy. is about to okay. come to your home. Okay. Yeah. He's essentially the, the interior ministry in this, in this, okay. not, not in terms of what they're referencing. They're actually referencing a different person with that, but he is the that same force, role. Right. right. Okay. It, it's yeah. They don't explicitly say much in this game about the time. Is It's basically Tokugawa. I think that they're so, what happened is Nobunaga, at some point in this war, towards the end of it, um, he controlled about one third of Japan. That was enough to say that he like was he the was dominant force okay. of Japan, and so it made it harder and harder to justify like standing up to him, right? And eventually, he was I think betrayed and he died, and his successor took over, and then that successor got into conflict with essentially, I would call, I would say the Cao Cao of. Oh, good. Sengoku, I was going to say that. And I didn't know if that would be um, like generalizing. Whose name was Tokugawa. Okay. And um, Tokugawa did unify the country and he was. He got the other two thirds. He, He's got all three he thirds. He had like half the country under his wing until the battle so of Sekigahara. Okay. And at which point it was him versus, I think it was Toyotomi. I sure. Think. I'll trust the, you on the, this the one. The successor of Nobunaga. Tokugawa won, mostly because at that point, no one wanted to fight anymore. Like, yeah. there, there's like a whole theory about like, why did this happen? Like, why did this battle turn out this way? That the reason is because so many of these families were so sick of being at war that when the war came, they said, yeah, I'm going to go to war for you. And they would literally go up to like other families and they would be on the battlefield and then they would just be like, let's just hang out, <laughs> see what happens in the rest of the war. And some just battles busy. Yeah. <laughs> and some battles that were supposed to happen, they just never happened. Whoa. They just said, they just told some told Tokugawa, some told, uh, Toyotomi, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ride with you. Right. And then they get there and then they're just like, let's just see where the wind's going. Bring out the Real picnic blanket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then that's a fair, and that background is, yeah, and I, I would say game. this is what we're on the brink of in this game. Well, we're I think, on the brink of this force unifying. Yeah, I think it's it's right at the end of the Sengoku era. Uh, the opening cinematic shows people kind of yeah really reluctant to fight. Uh, there's a guy abandoning his duty in the opening cinematic. He's running through the forest, beautiful red leaves falling all around him, and he's about to get killed, but somebody saves him. And then he kind of looks up and he's like, is it over? Is the war finally over? Um, and at this point, um, you have a very large imposing figure walking through the battlefield and he finds this runt of a kid, um, just amidst the bodies and corpses out there. And he puts his blade up to him and like cuts his cheek and the kid grabs the knife or the, not the knife, his big big, ass sword. Yeah, his big ass sword. And he's like, whoa, you have some life in you yet. You know, I could, uh, I could use somebody like you. And this little kid is our main hero, Okamiyo. Now, here's a question I have for you guys, right? Was it Okamiyo? Okami. Okay. Like like the game, Okami, where there's a wolf. That word literally just means Means wolf. wolf. Yeah, it literally just means wolf. But everybody says, like, I played it in the Japanese just because I don't know why. You did, and then, Chris, you did as well? Mm -hmm. For what? 
Played game. the game you in played Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Japanese. I feel like you, you gotta, right? You have to, yeah. It's, I? I played you, it in English. You played it in English. Yeah, I played it in English. Because I really... an interesting experience. I, I wonder how they... I figured we had one and one in the household. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, could you... Did you have English subtitles on or did yeah. you just... Okay. So then you saw a little... I'm not that confident. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that confident. I, I will say it did give me... There was like a few points where I was like, oh, they went in a very different direction yeah. there. Because I remember you bringing it up while we were all playing. It. Yes. Yeah, um, some weird translations. So here's a question. Do you think when he took the boy in... I, so so the, to be really clear, the yes. big guy with the big sword... Is your, in, yeah. His is name your, is... Is your father figure and his name is Owl. Um, he is the leader of a group of, I guess we'll call him Shinobi. I yeah, guess, yeah. Or ninja, either one. Ninja Shinobi. You're like the same thing. Yeah, I was looking up. Some historian. I, I, while, while, I was, me. <laughs> while I was prote- uh, prepping for this, I, was, I, I somebody was writing, uh, and I thought it was really funny. They're like Shinobi. Uh, the Shin part means ninja, and the Obi means like something else, That's and together joke, right? it means. Ninja. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No. Okay. If you want to know what is, why do they have these two words? Ninja is a Chinese word, essentially. Yeah, ninja. So it is basically just the Japanese pronunciation of this Chinese word for like a spy, mm-hmm. gorilla fighter, whatever. Mm-hmm. And shinobi is the nominalization form of the word shinobu, which is to like sneak or like hide or whatever. Cool. So a shinobi just means someone who's like hiding or who's spying or whatever. Okay. Sneaky dude. Yeah. And ninja, pretty much the same thing. Do you think Al's group is, are they like a mercenary group style or are they just his own loyalty and his own thing? Well, that's a good question. Owl, I mean, I, I mean, I, I feel comfortable spoiling it because you guys are going to get spoiled Well, we anyways. could just Say get there when we get there. what literally happens in the story and then we'll give our take on what this cabal of yeah. ninjas is. Yeah, we'll come back to this. And okay. so Owl well, finds this so boy. Owl finds uh, this boy, Okami, or, go, or Wolf, um, and takes him in and raises him and teaches him the Iron Code. Now, Sekiro really ends up being just about a boy and his father figure, and it is uh, Wolf's relationship with Owl and how he interprets the codes and belief system that uh, Owl taught him growing up. And as I said earlier, this is called the Iron Code. Uh, the Iron Code has two rules. Obey your father... And obey your master. Uh, so he doesn't have a master for most of the his life. But in the opening cinematic, uh, Owl says, "You are going to protect this kid, Kuro, and well, his family. He his family him to that family. You're going to protect the family, and specifically Kuro, and that is your master now. So you know, rule number o- two. Rule number two: obey them. And importantly, these rules um, take precedence in the order that he said them obey your father first obey your master second so what happens then is we flash forward a while and we see okami i mean wolf or sekiro whatever we're going to say it'll probably alternate between all three of these names throughout the rest of the oh no let's just go with sekiro because that's like the title of the game yeah but that's like his nickname I i think his name is wolf uh yeah i think we should do what's the clearest for listeners all right so we're going to say Okamio. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, so Wolf, the main character, Sekiro, he is in the bottom of this ravine and he believes that his master is dead, his father is dead, and he has no purpose in life anymore. And this is where the game really starts. 
Yes. You are now in control. And uh, when you are laying there, you get a message, I think attached to a dart or something. I don't remember. If so I'm a woman that. with a parasail walks up to the edge of this ravine and throws a note down. And on the note, it says, uh, hey, dude, your master is still alive and he's being kept hostage over in this tower right over there. And you pick the perfect place to give <laughs> up on your life. And you're like, whoa, okay, I think I can go get him. But you're like weak and- And you don't have your sword. You don't have your sword. You do have your arm though. Um, yeah, which is interesting because if there's one thing you knew about this game before going in from all the cover art and all the trailers is this guy has one robot arm. Just like, you know, 1600s Japan kind of robot arm. But at this point you're like, oh, he's got two fleshy looking hands. He's fine. So anyway, that's you, not ominous. <laughs> you sneak your way back to the tower, um, avoiding all sorts of ill-equipped guards. And there is, uh, you crawl in through the window or a hole in the wall and you meet Kuro. And he is this little kid um, who has wisdom beyond his years. Is it clear how old he is? No. Do they ever explicitly say? Though, I, I, I don't think they ever explicitly say. Um, though, I do have a question for you, Chris, because you have a bit more knowledge of Japanese language than I do. Um, but I, I read somewhere that Kuro has two potential meanings. The first is black, and the second is Q and yeah, Ro. Yeah, it's a pun. And so it would be a pun off of Ninth Sun, which would imply that the dragon, like dragons have, the, or in Asian mythology, at least in Chinese mythology, yeah. and I'm sure in Japanese mythology as well, uh, the dragon had nine sons. And okay. they, uh, and this would be like his ninth one. It, it is also like, it was a thing that you would name your sons based on literally what order they were born in sometimes. But he's an, an only child? No, I guess we, we don't know we, that. We don't know that. He's, we do know that his entire family was wiped out um, on the day that yes. Wolf lost his memories. They, they don't explicitly lay this out, but we know two things. One, he is somehow related to Ashina, right? Like he is part of that family. And Ashina uh, is the... Is the country that they live in. He is literally the remaining prince of like this country. Two, we know he lives in some offshoot family home that is not part of like the main country and is pretty obscure up until that moment. Right. I think the implication is his family is not super important or central to the story before then, because they are the ninth son's family. Like they are an offshoot of the main Ashina line. They're so far away that calling him a prince up until that point would be very optimistic, right? Right. And really, they aren't taking him because he has any sort of ruling authority. That's right. not why he's been kidnapped. Right. They they kidnapped him because he has something called the Dragon's Heritage. And that, for purposes of this game, is what lets you resurrect. Uh, the Dragon's Heritage is an oath that a person possessing the Dragon's Heritage makes with somebody else. And that second party, um, or third party, I should say, gains the ability to come back to life after being killed. So he is viewed as almost the ultimate weapon because he could instill or create an army that could not be defeated. And uh, if you look at, I don't know if this is said in the game, but in the some of the pre-release trailers, they show you a conversation where people are saying like, we need to finally use this kid. Like we've been talking about it. We've considered it. 
now, like with this big army possibly being ready to invade us, because remember, this game takes place over like, what, a few days at the most? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe even one day, two days. Um, so I think there's really just two important days for sure. Oh, yeah. Because there's, there's a time, yeah. there's a time skip right. when you lose your arm. Spoilers. So, so you know that there is an imminent invasion. And to be clear, into Ashina. Into, the, into this country where right. you live called Ashina. Right. And um, it's it's important to to make this distinction that he is the ninth son of this family or whatever, because, you know, following these rules of succession, if you're that far off from the main family, you are like your loyalties could be tenuous. Right. So when Sekiro pledges himself to Kuro um, and then Kuro is forcefully taken um, by the Ashina family. Sekiro is like, let me refer to the Iron Code. Okay. <laughs> All right. Owl's dead. He's like so a bureaucrat. Matters, he's yeah. like checking what he's allowed to he's do. He's like, what? All that matters now <laughs> is Kuro. So I will do whatever it takes to protect Kuro. Yeah. And he like chooses. slowly crosses off rule number one. Yeah. He writes irrelevant. So from uh, like the wolf's perspective, if Kuro is in danger, his Iron Code tells him, his master specifically must be protected, even if someone who is like his superior in the country's succession or whatever um, is trying to hurt him. Yes. Which is what's happened. Do we know at this point who took him? So we know. So essentially, we're going to get out of this quick tutorial phase, but uh, so we can just yeah. plow right so you, ahead. So you get to Kuro. So you get to Kuro. He gives you your, your sword back, Kusabi Maru. Uh, you clear a path for him to escape under the bridge and out to get away. And, well, and while you're escaping, you swear your oath again. Yeah, you He's, renew your oath to him, you renew which your is oath. what helps you come back to life. Just yes. pop back. I up, believe he gives, you he gives you his a, blood again. He gives you his healing gourd. Oh, his healing gourd. You okay. can turn it. You down, already though, have it. Oh, you already have his. Blood. You already have yes. his blood. You because of what happens in the past. So you don't remember that when you were. You got classic video game amnesia. You have classic yep. video game amnesia, but I'd say it's justifiable here i'll we'll touch on that when we get to that in the story <laughs> here, like i don't even know we'll see what the justification is we're not sure yet all right well I, i'm interested to see how it's different from any other video game where you have amnesia well in my case i literally forgot why that happens because a building falls on him no he's we'll get there yeah i think sterling will explain he's got this. he'll justify all right so you clear the path you get out you know you and kuro wolf and kuro are thinking about where they're going to go, maybe like to far off distant lands, away from Ashina, away from all this fighting, just to like live out their days in peace and quiet, maybe yeah, go to Disneyland. It, I don't know. Ooh, but Tokyo Disney. on their way out, uh, this guy in full samurai armor and a giant bow, uh, which I think is a really nice touch, but I'll let you touch on that, Chris, uh, the bow. Like, um, (laughs) if you want to, no, no, just later, just kind of like how samurais generally use. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, okay. Um, but anyways, you get in, there is this guy, this big, big armor wearing samurai, and he stops you. And this man is the real hero of this game. And he's, he, he, I mean, he is the way he's portrayed uh, at this point when you meet him, he is like. The manliest, most ideal samurai you've Oh, he looks seen. like he just walked out of a painting. Yeah. He is beautiful. He's like a classical samurai. And just yes. a little stubble on his face as well. Mm. And he's asking, he's not even asking. I should rephrase that. <laughs> he's going to take Kuro. He says, look, I need this boy to save my country. Yeah. I, 
I was about to make a reference to The Last of Us. And I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Wolf is, or Kuro is like, well, I don't know. And Sekiro, or Wolf, steps in front of him and is like, don't worry, I got this. And unsheaths the blade. Yeah, he unsheaths <laughs> Kusabi Maru, the blade he just swore an oath to, to uphold to protect to uh, Kuro. He's like, I literally just woke up in a gutter this morning, <laughs> but I think I can take this guy. Well, at this point, I'm like, this is the tutorial, boss. If there's one thing I've learned about Souls games, I'm like, oh, yeah. I can handle this. Is this is the, the abyss demon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go for his butt. Yeah. Uh, this like, is where's a, a high ledge what if, oh my god what if Gettysburg just started floating <laughs> and then he does a butt slam yeah oh. I would love that but anyways you go in this fight and there are two outcomes um, if, you, if it's your first time playing you're most more than likely going to die and he cuts your arm clean off in this cutscene and, cut and if you don't die if you don't, he has some hidden ninjas who will come out and and distract you, you. Cut your arm and off. they distract you and then he cuts your arm off again mm-hmm. and to be super clear and name drop. This is my boy, Genichiro. Genichiro chops your arm off in his super amazing samurai costume. He's amazing. Also, um, classic uh, samurai movie non-lethal uh, injury yes. is losing an arm. He's like, mm, took care of that guy. <laughs> There's so. even like a beautiful dramatic shot of it. Like the camera pulls out and it's yeah. a little more silhouetted and he just... You're like, oh man, what just happened? Yeah. Like if you want to show that someone lost a fight bad, but you don't want them to die because you need them later in the story, you just chop their arm off. Yes. And again, I I think something that this game does really well is the cinematography. Um, They really lean into the excessive blood in finishing moves. um, Yeah, they got the blood sprays, which I... It's really funny because I feel like this is so like ubiquitous now. In, in any game that wants to like stylize violence that I almost like didn't think about how this was directly referencing violence, like the way that samurai movies used to depict um, blood mm-hmm. because when those blood sprays were first being used in like, like period pieces, it was to show that samurai were more violent than we remember them being, or like they were, I shouldn't say more violent than we remember them being, but like, the violence was more visceral and real than we like to think of. To weigh the violence it over was, the romanticization. Yes, exactly. It was way less romantic. Whereas in this said. game, we've come, we are so. Full circle. Yeah. We're so <laughs> used to it that, like, it's almost more romantic because we're seeing the spray, because we associate it with, like, classic drama. Yeah. Well, I, I think it also leans into the mechanics of the game, because unlike the other Souls like games uh, from, from software put out there, this game has a different health mechanic and it's and it's in its posture. So what you're doing is you're chipping away at somebody's ability to withstand your yeah, flurry their ability of blows. to block or their armor and, or like their it's, armor. Yeah, it's interesting cuz most of your opponents in this game are armored or yeah. a large number of them are. And what you're doing in this, you don't see much blood if you're actually like slicing them if it's not a finishing blow. You mm-hmm. only really get that big beautiful crimson spray of blood coming out of every of yeah. those wounds when your uh, character finishes the blow or does like yes. the big stab. You, yeah. you chip away until you get that little red dot that says, all right, finish him. And to you're like, cool. Concretely, there's two kind of life meters you have. You have your li- like your, your meat points, right? Like mm-hmm. your life bar. But you also have your posture, your composure. 
Yes. And a fight can either be, like, depending on your play style, about <laughs> death by a thousand cuts. Mine right? is much less efficient. Or... But it paid off later. Yeah. Or you can be really aggressive and make someone, phys- like, so tired out that they Off cannot balance block is also how i read it exactly so that you can and remember these are usually armored opponents so you can't just cut an armored person in half right so you have to like open up their armpit and then like stab in the armpit or mm-hmm. like in the it's like setting up a strategy or setting up an yes. angle mm-hmm. which reads very and beautifully in, interesting in this kind of combat that it's for a samurai game when i would say that this also models like western like like european armor combat pretty well too like you wouldn't kill someone by just like slashing hacking at like their plate arm yeah you would go for one of like the places where there's separation or like yeah you would have to i think it would opening it would depend too i think there's a lot more just blunt force or yes to get or you would have to use blunt force yeah if you had a sword like in the european fighting manuals they show you like how do you kill an armored person with With a sword and they're like Open up his armpit. Get in there. Or find like the eye holes in his helmet and whatever. And that's kind of what they're doing in Sekiro. Like they're showing you the death blow is usually Sekiro forcing an opening and then hitting a weak spot for a decisive blow. Yes. Kind of the poetry of battle in a sense. So I'm sorry that I got a bit off track with the uh, recap of the story. But anyways, your arms cut off. You wake up in this... uh, abandoned uh it's kind of your theme shit goes down you black out you wake up somewhere and you're in this abandoned temple and there is a sculptor and he's just got a thousand buddha sculptures all chipping around away, him. Just chipping like away just like you do at armor i just had a thought that like the wolf is like a cat in a basket or whatever or like a pet in a cage at this point like <laughs> just black appearing in a different location going back to sleep appearing in a different one <laughs> So anyways, the sculptor is there and he's like, oh, you're wake. You finally wake up, woke up. And and there are, I mean, how many statues in this temple? Like hundreds. hundreds. Easily. And they're all the same. This guy's yes. not very creative. This guy is trying to, he is trying to sculpt various depictions of the Buddha and he can only make ones that look angry. And the implication is he can only make ones that are expressing how, or something about his own emotional Something state. about hatred yeah something about <laughs> hatred or wrath or something like that clearly but, like he's realizing through this this sculpting and this is what he's telling you is not just us like reading into this but he tells you like i i'm doing this essentially as like some kind of penance yeah and i'm trying to make a smiling buddha and i literally can't do it yeah and so when you wake up, you do notice an important thing about this guy is he has one arm and you now have two arms again um, and he gave you something called the Shinobi prosthetic. Um, it was a tool that, you know, has like a grappling hook on it, uh, ninja stars. It's your Batman hand. Yeah, yeah, essentially. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of tools, but as the game goes on, you find it. And he says, you know, you look like a one, a one fanged wolf without this. So, you know, you could use it, especially mm-hmm. considering that your master is still alive. And you Which is like, it. what? So Wolf now is talking to himself. Or Slowly uncrosses off rule number yeah. one. Two. Rule number two. One. One is his father. Yeah, I said he, he uncrosses it. So he, he's like, okay. Because earlier so now, he crossed it off and now he's uncrossing it An element it off, of my code is back, back on the table. Yes. 
he he, he crossed. Lindsay's crossed. referencing her own joke earlier, yeah. where she said he crossed uh, off owl. It's called a callback. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> say, but he didn't say owl is alive. He said your master oh. is alive. We both interpreted it. Chris and I are big owl fans. We obviously. were both on the same wrong page. <laughs> I was like, it's not master. Master, we, is listeners, cool. we we do this to Sterling. All the time. <laughs> Chris and I are just always gaslighting Sterling. And it's not even intentional. No. We're just And also kids, it's not okay. <laughs> Thank least... you. I appreciate that apology. We're in sync when we're wrong. The this sculptor tells you your master's alive, uh Ashina Castle and the and Ishin and Genichiro want to use him for his dragon heritage and Which, his blood. Ishin is not someone we've met yet. So don't be like Ishin, who is that? We'll get there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you should probably go save him if you want. So I'm going to consolidate a lot of the rest of the game. Oh, one other noteworthy thing there. There is a doctor who's stationed there named Emma. Yes. For some reason, uh, the wolf notices that she has a sword. And he's like, why are you, what are you doing here with the sword? And like, who are you taking care of? She's like, "Uh, it's my medical sword. She says, I'm here to take care of the sculptor. But also I have a sword in case I need to kill a demon. No more comment on that. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens later. And these two things. If you, if you give her a drink, she tells you yeah. that. These yeah. two roles are totally unrelated. <laughs> and so you know that Kuro is being held in the Ashina estate, like yes. the main In the main castle. castle of the Ashina palace. Which is not too far from where he was originally. It's just farther along. It is actually it's, just right, yeah. It yeah. is right near where you were. It's it was right in the, the ultimate place. destination of where they had been keeping him before. Right. Exactly. And so you go through this next part of the game and rush to Ashina Castle. Slaughtering soldiers. All a dozen. Yeah. All of the Ashina soldiers. And so your countrymen. Yes. Who are just doing their job, to be clear. Yeah. I mean, along the way, you do meet some people that you vaguely remember. They give you a bell, which we can come back to. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you rush to the castle. You climb to Wait, the top. Wait, you meet a mask man. Oh, Yeah. Um, before you can even get Tashina Castle, you have to breach the walls and, and get past the gate. And again, while you're doing this, Ashina is being invaded. So you see foreign invaders, usually dead ones, who are attempting to break this like siege on As- Ashina Castle. And in order to get to Kuro, you have to kill like heroes of Ashina, like major like people who are just there to defend Ashina, like the castle and the country. And people that, like, I don't think Wolf really wants to fight, but his code tells him he has to kill them. He's going to get through. And worth noting that Sekiro or Wolf's status is kind of unknown to almost everyone in Ashina. They don't know because they had nothing to do with Kuro until this point in time. And he is technically adverse to their interests because they're also protecting anyone who wants to kidnap Kuro. So the Wolf is... He's his code essentially forces him to kill a lot of people who have no reason to even like know that he was ever aligned with them. Cause as a shinobi, his position with Kuro would have always been a secret. Right. So when you run up to the other shinobi, who's like wandering around killing spot, his job is to kill other ninja and other spies. He's like a, he's, he's a counter tang- espionage. Yeah. He's, guy. he's dressed as a tangu with like the big long yes. square nose, like the bait, like a bird demon kind of person, like a mask. Yes. And he has obviously been going around kicking some ass. Yes. And he, and when you find him, he's just now talking about like, you know, there's some more rats. This, these ones I think are from the temple. So in other words, he's doing his counter spy stuff, 
but he sees you and he's about to kill you and he decides to have a conversation with you first because he's curious. And I think what sparks this is you tell him you don't really have a name. Yeah. I believe that's what it is. Which yeah. is where we get into the whole like and that's, Okami, Wolf, Sekiro. Yes. Conundrum. It's also a very Metal Gear Solid thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like you, I have no name. <laughs> and we are well, both soldiers. Well, the, this Tengu looking guy uh, does have a name, but he does give you your name Sekiro, which means lone wolf. It means uh, one of a pair is yeah. Seki. And he it comes from the word Sekiwan, which is one armed. Which is a whoa, yeah, yeah. Sekiwan. So Seki can be used to mean a lot of things, but with Sekiwan, it means one arm because right. you only have one of two things of something you're supposed to have two of. Okay. So it's a pun, and then Ro just means wolf, right? So he, so Sekiro so is not a word. Being funny too. Yeah, yes, he's he, being he, funny. He's I, saying you're a lone wolf, I and also I, you're a one armed wolf. I thought I couldn't like him anymore, but I do. Oh, also, you are a wolf without its partner. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, his little owl. Oh, or Kuro. Or Kuro, yeah. Obviously, I associate him more with owl for well, some reason. Well, I mean, reason. but that's like what I said at the beginning of this, you know, it's really a rela- it's a story about a boy and his father figure. It's you and owl and Kuro and you. I yeah. mean, you've got all sorts of different father figure relationships going on in this and how you deal with it and how you treat okay, people. Okay, that's interesting because I don't know if I ever read your relationship with Kuro as a father-son relationship. It essentially is, but that's the irony of it, is that Kuro is a child and he is your father. Yeah. By your formal yes. relationship with No, him. I definitely I saw it more that way. But I guess it wasn't until now. Oh, that you could also be a father to yes. Kuro? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some of that. Yeah. And I mean, well, it reads very literally because of the age difference, but I never mm-hmm. felt in the game, the way I felt about Kuro in the game isn't the same way I felt about, say, like Ellie in The Last of Us. I yeah, didn't yeah. have this like, Oh man, I am maternal, the maternal instinct. Yeah, I never felt like I am the adult in the room and I have to make decisions that will protect and save this child. I just kind of felt like the killing machine. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go forward. They, well, they don't the spend a lot block. of time on like building like I don't want to use the word like pathetic, like a like a like a pathos based relationship between mm-hmm. you and Kuro. Like you don't really have these moments where Kuro is being torn from you and you're really sad about it. Yes. It's more like you're you're failing your role yes. in the game, right? But yeah. I think it's like as, you're, you're going to get a bad job review. <laughs> and as the, as the game goes along, though, I think that you really do start to toss aside your iron code in lieu of more paternal, yeah, feelings towards. And, and I think part of it is the game is trying to like the game is establishing tribes, right? Like that's what the code is all about. Who's your tribe? Mm-hmm. Who must you protect from? Like before you protect anybody else. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that the game is trying to get you to feel for Kuro, whose blood can make Ashina, all of Ashina immortal. That's why they want him. Right. And, and Kuro is saying, you know what? Like, I don't think Ashina or me or anyone should have this. And we're all people. And this is a thing that people shouldn't have. Yeah. And I'm doing this because as a person, I feel like I can make that decision. And I almost feel like the game is saying Kuro is the most quote unquote mature of all the characters because his concept of a tribe is the broadest of all characters you meet in the entire Humanity. game. Right. Yeah. And I think that's supposed to make you feel like Kuro is beyond his years. Yes. He's like, they always do that with children. Like they can kind of go in one or two directions that the kid's either adorable or they're so smart 
that they're also adorable again. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, it ends up at the same place. <laughs> but what, what the game does is it gives you um, memories. You get these red-tinged memory outlines of the past. And as you're going through it, you kind of see Kuro's development to that current mm-hmm. uh, thought process that he has. That, you know, humanity is the one that we must serve, not our tribe of Ashina. Um, and he, uh, as you're climbing to the top of the castle yeah. to rescue him. So at this him, point, you've passed, you've you, met the Tango Mask Man, who, you know, pin in that, obviously. You're charging up to the center. Go. You don't have to fight him. Yeah. Yes. He's like, you're cool, bro. My <laughs> one-armed wolf. With no explanation. Yeah. So you're past that. You're running back to the castle. You pass these memories. Yeah, but the memories, again, they're just saying like, uh, you know, oh, wow, wait, this is the result of resurrection. This is what people become. This is the monster that I'm creating. When you say these, you're talking about like the well, phantom figures you see talking yeah, to each other. So like in, in some of these red tinged memories, uh, you I, have. I, I want to point out, by the way, that at this point in the story and even now, I didn't really understand like the red tinged memories were not a major part of the game. So we should probably tell like the listeners what, what that is. I have no idea. Like you see like what they happen. Like, little light pieces of light. Yeah. Of he, light. Yeah. And then they turn into full people and then they reenact a moment that happened before. While you were not there. While you weren't there. And, and the game I, never explains I, why you're seeing them. Maybe or Sterling how. has. I idea. interpreted that, that you were remembering it. And it was from your point of view that you were watching. Oh no, I don't think so because there's a moment. There's definitely one there's or two. Talking to Kuro. Yeah, there's one or two where Genichiro right, has right. Kuro clearly after he's cut off your arm. Yeah, and he's telling Kuro why he needs to use his blood to save Ashina. Yes, it's. I don't know why I those know. are there. I thought that he was. T- uh, maybe I don't remember. Maybe by the end of this conversation, we'll have something. Some I kind of guess. <laughs> I swear that Genichiro was having the conversation about saving all of Ashina at the top right before you hop up. Oh, that there. happens too. But anyways, you get to the top of the tower and Genichiro is having a conversation with Kuro. Kuro's- and this, wait, this tower is big and beautiful. It is like- yeah. It looks like a giant pagoda. Yes. And it is going to be a central hub for a lot of this game. You will come yeah. back here and most of the game's major fights and events happen here. It looks a lot like like the classic architecture you'll see if you go to like Kyoto or like Nara. Yes, and there's just there's literally just a fighting ring. Like there's oh, just there, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a meeting, it's like, like a, a lookout. Ro- it's a rooftop, yeah, like lookout, like an kind of observation observation deck. deck. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if deck is the right word, but yeah. But it's at the top of this tower, and that's where Kuro is being held. Held, and so you get up there and you go toe to toe with. Genichiro. Oh my gosh, this and fight. It's kind of round two. Or how are you yes. going to do? And it's tough, but if you can knock him down and you finally beat him. And th- this might be where we want to talk about how the game is using these fighting styles to characterize the, some of the bosses because Genichiro is like. Just a little, because I think this is yeah. worth really diving into at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. But, but it'll start here. Basically, this fight yeah. was definitely hard for me. I remember being like, oh my God, I've been on this Genichiro fight for forever. I got to figure this out because again, to reiterate, I did not use the poise mechanic a lot. I, I trained myself blocking. Yeah. But across Bloodborne and Dark Souls three, I just did the fastest weapon in Dark Souls three. I did the dual wield. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would just dodge and strike real fast and then dodge. And this game does not 
You, at this th- point, this is the fight where they're like, I you have need to know this mechanic. Yes, yeah, you got to know how to block and counter. You have to use all your mechanics, really, with this fight. Yes. And uh, just real quick, like he fights like a real classic samurai, like he and but he's also like improvising in the fight. Like you see him like using range attacks at like point blank range to trick you. Like he's a thinking yeah. kind of fighter. He's not brute force. You yeah. Know? And that, I think that's really interesting because Ashina is like the brute force fighting country. Up to this point, you will have discovered these books that teach you the techniques of like different uh, parts of the country. And they all like have different moves associated with them. The main like Ashina style used by like the, the retainers of this family, yep. their signature move is I'm, I'm going to swing real hard. <laughs> In the most obvious possible way, but I'm going to do it so well, you still can't block it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the most honest, straightforward move you can use, right? Mm -hmm. And and He does not use this move. No. So again, like those moves, the Ashina style, were uh, created by Ishin, who is uh, Genichiro's grandfather, who we meet shortly after this. Genichiro, on the other hand, he's very like, I'll rotate around you. I will mix in my bow with my sword. I will do these like quick hits on you to make you block a lot until you get to the point where you're like, I did it. I beat him. Like stab him and get his armor to fall off. And you know, you see his like shirtless body and his still got his bow, but all of a sudden he reveals to you that he's going to use some forbidden magic, which so he reveals to you that it's phase two. Right before you fight him, you find a scroll that talks about, the way of lightning or something like yes. that. Yes. And, and how to like catch lightning. And this is something, uh, this is legendary fighter named Tomoe used to do. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, the boss life bar tells you that Genichiro has now started using Tomoe's techniques, which he technically had already been using, yes. but they didn't explicitly call it yeah. out. Right. And you don't figure that out until later in the game when, when you yeah, start when learning you learn. the move. Although in my case, I learned it, which was, an, was a mind blowing moment. Because you can go and do some other paths and find that move and learn it. And it tells Prior you, like, this. this is like a forbidden move because it's from a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not patriotic to fight this way. And so I learned it. I'm like, haha, secret technique. <laughs> go up to Genichiro and I start using it on him. And he's like, huh, nice try. Let me show you. <laughs> and he does the same thing. Except better. Better. And he shows you, essentially, that that he is willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. He is willing to... Think outside of the box. And there's I really definitely, I mean, I think that's shown aesthetically too in the shift from not just how he's fighting while he's in his armor, but the way he looks while he's in his armor. He's mm-hmm. he's again that picturesque samurai in his oh yeah beautiful it's like armor kind of. And then you get that armor off of him, and he, you know, we made a joke about him being shirtless, but it's really not. He's not good looking when you take it all off. His body he's, looks. Like it's been through a lot. Yes. It it's looks burned. very, high. yeah. And he is not aesthetically pleasing. He looks worn down. Yeah. He looks haggard. He looks like he's seen some shit. Kind of looks like he's tried to catch lightning multiple times. Yes. <laughs> and didn't. Had some fails. And you know, you realize that he's finally learned how to catch lightning in this battle because yes. Boy, has he. he can jump into the air and like channel the lightning into his arrow and shoot you with it or into his sword for giant swings. It is so cool. So, if you had gone on a certain path up the castle, you could have learned another technique, as Chris was saying, to catch the lightning and send it back his way. But yeah. um, anyways. I thought you had to learn that technique. No, you can climb up a different way. You technically don't learn it. it. They just tell you it's possible. Oh, okay, okay. And you don't have to do it in this fight either. 
Yeah. I cannot imagine beating that fight without doing that. I did Wait, it. really? I actually thought it was hard. I, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but so anyways, I okay. couldn't figure it out. I think I did it accidentally right the first time. Works. And then I was like, oh, okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> anyways, but it took me forever to get to that second phase. You beat Genichiro. Genichiro is dead. And then he, you, you have a little moment with Kuro and Emma. And you're like, Emma, you, you, what you doing what here? What are you doing here? And she's like, oh, no, I'm just here serving Kuro. You know, I'm here serving Ishin and Kuro. I'm not here with Genichiro. I'm just, you know, just a nobody. Don't worry about me. Did we say Genichiro falls off the roof? No, I was about to. Storm cloud? Genichiro then. Off, right? Well, Genichiro resurrects. And, you know, that's unique yes. because only you have that power because only you have made an oath with uh, Kuro. So this is news. Uh, apparently, he's imbibed the rejuvenating waters of yeah. who knows where. Yeah. Like, I got to stop you from using the kid. And he's like, of course I use him a little bit. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's implied he's that he used the kid. He, he finds use... the, like, the dregs, basically. Right. He, no, he, the, the oh, rejuvenating waters. And so, that's right. the yeah, rejuvenating yeah. It's like a corrupt source. And okay. the rejuvenating waters, um, we learned from one of the other memories on the way to the top. Um, Kuro doesn't like this. He doesn't like re- resur- resurrection oh, in general. But the rejuvenating waters corrupts people and makes them kind of crazy. And we know, and I just remembered, we know that he goes to where you find those waters eventually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So anyways, uh, Genichiro f- jumps off the side of the building uh, in a, into a bolt of lightning and disappears. And I think maybe it's worth pausing and talking a little more about Genichiro right now and what his... Like motivation is so real quick. Genichiro is the adoptive grandson of Ishin. Yeah, Ishin is the ruler of the Ashina tribe. And as far as we can tell, this does not affect his status. Yeah, as like the the heir. I think it helps that he's the most respected warrior too. So I I think that there is supposed to be a little bit of irony there that he is not really from this bloodline, but he will do whatever it takes to his body to other mm-hmm. people. In order to protect this bloodline, because yeah. they took he him in, he values it. Yeah, they he took values him it more than anybody. Else. Ashina is his family now. His country is his family. He has no other loyalty. He doesn't need to worry about rule number one. Yeah, aside from maybe Ishin. And again, I love, I love that dynamic. Well, remember too. that rule is not like yes. the warrior. No, I, yeah, it's I not know. the warrior code. It's literally just a code that Owl made up. I know, <laughs> but like he, he doesn't have the same kind of. Yeah. family complexity because his country is his family and his adoptive family is also his and, country. And, and his grandfather is his family, but officially his grandfather is, is like the ruler. Yes. So and everything he's doing is this sort of noble desperation. It's like out of gratitude for the life that he was allowed to live yeah. because of Ashina. Under like the code that he follows, which is like Bushido, like the yeah, way the of way the warrior. warrior. Yeah. There's there's very little fault to find with Genichiro. Like maybe yeah. the fact that he is is using like questionable methods to do it, or like he's using outside influence as like part of his techniques, maybe. But from a modern, I guess, filter, trying to put ourselves in the position of Bushido, Genichiro is working as hard as he can just on the boundaries of that code. Yeah. Right. To make that happen. Yeah. And Genichiro, um, as we said, is Ishin's grand adopted grandson. Uh, Ishin is the leader of Ashina, and he is the guy that was dressed up as the Tengu earlier. Yeah, uh, going around out, killing he's... rats because uh, Ishin's room is right next to this battleground where we fought Genichiro. This, this is the first time you can access it. And if you yeah, yeah and if you go in there when uh, Ishin is in there, 
Um, you can find his Tengu mask and the sword that he uses behind a screen. Um, however, it should be noted that Emma and Kuro and Genichiro all know that Ishin is not doing well. He's not healthy. He's on the decline. Um, so his little escapades out into the world to kill things are slowly killing him, I would say. Um, he needs to rest. I think he, he's sick, too, or just old. I, you know, he's very si- old. He's sick and old. Yeah. Um, he's going through the predictable stage, like, things that would that would come with old age at that right. point. But Ishin again, is one of my favorite characters because as you, you learn from the pieces of information like written on the items, um, the Ashina style, which is very forward, very direct, very strong, was his style. And he kind of compiled that from fighting a lot of people. And his whole purpose for making the kingdom was to find better fights. He didn't really... I don't know if he actually had the noble purpose of like yeah. unifying anything. It, it's implied that his his conquest is is just kind of a consequence of him wanting to perfect the art of killing. Yeah, and he he went off on this journey, this whole journey, the whole reason that this war is happening is because he wanted to perfect his own fighting style. And now that he's old, he's kind of mellowed out. He's like, I I, I made a good fighting style. Um, but I, I, well, he's, he's also, besides becoming old, he's, he's seen some shit that we haven't seen yet that has changed his perspective on what he was doing. Yes. Um, and you know what? I think we can get to that relatively quickly. Um, because what happens next in the game is we have to go and collect a lot of things for Kuro. Kuro has tell, has told us that we need to get these items so we can, end the resurrection cycle. Uh, This is important because Kuro does not like being used by anybody first and foremost, but also he doesn't think that this is something that is natural or should be occurring within our mortal coil and should be eliminated. He's kind of taking a moral stance on it. He says, this is morally wrong. I want to be disconnected from this mythical shenanigan. So... We need to go find a blade which can sever immortality, a pure lotus, a scented stone, and... Basically things for a ritual, yeah. that if you perform this ritual and uh, and kill Kuro, you can sever his heritage or whatever. Yep. So, you know, we, we go across, we travel to the different corners of the Ashina kingdom to find these things. So real briefly, what are these corners? What are, what are these places? Glad you asked. <laughs> so the first area that I'm going to talk about is the Valley of the Bodhisattvas. Um, this is one of my favorite areas. I think it's really interesting and kind of creates a, a good stepping stone into is, the world. Is this the Sunken Valley where all the gun people are? Yeah, it's past that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, where the gorilla is. Um. Because the gorilla is right below a big like bodhisattva statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like swinging from statue to statue. Yep. You fight a few mini bosses who are like 
these women who are, they're not blind. They're kind of lepers. Like, yeah, yes, I think they're, they're lepers. They're because they're lepers. And they like make gunpowder and they're like really good at firing these huge that cannons. Snake eyes. I had so much trouble with her. <laughs> Lindsay poisoned her or just waited for her to wander into the poison, which she is yeah. like resistance to and waited for her to kill herself. <laughs> it was worth which, it. Which, by the way, the game tells you that these people are weak to poison, but they have poison resistance. Yeah. Maybe they just mean for a boss they're weak to poison, which means they can be hurt with poison. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. All I know is I hated that fight so much. I was like, I'm gonna find a way to cheese it, and I did. The f- I didn't know that they were lepers, and that fact now makes me feel even worse for making one of them walk into a swamp until they got sick and died. I I feel no remorse, <laughs> no remorse. So anyways, we have the Valley of the Bodhisattva, which is where the purest lily blooms at the Ooh. fountain or at the, at the, where the waters of the fountainhead a pool. Oh, that's why. Okay. And that the bottom there, you find the guardian ape. Yep. The guardian ape. So do we think this is also the water that Genichiro drank? I believe so. If that's where the fountainhead. Um, and do we think the ape is guarding the water itself? No, the, the ape is actually guarding just the flower. The flower oh. itself has an aroma that attracts mates. Ooh. And um, it is trying to find later, a mate. Yeah, that it's interesting. There's a little bit of irony there. And I, I, I would say that like, you know, a lot of this game, and we're going to see this as we get to these other areas too, is kind of showing you different ways in which the factions in this game are seeking immortality. Like, and they show you that these are distinct factions that are at conflict with each other, but their goals are very similar, right? And the guardian ape has accidentally obtained immortality because when you kill him, you find out that he is kind of sort of possessed by like this centipede that animates corpses, giving them the appearance of being immortal when really it's more like a parasite that's like controlling you. But he doesn't want that. What he wants is to fuck and have a baby. He just wants a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants, you know, to carry on his genes and, and do immortality the old fashioned way. Which do you think then that he has those centipedes because he's also in like the foot of the fountainhead, like the runoff from that. And that's also the, Forbidden water that we think Genichiro yeah. may have drank so, from. It's implied that something about that water can affect you in one of a few different ways. So that water, um, if you if you dive down into the pool nearby, there is a piece of the Fountainhead Palace, which is a place we haven't been to yet, um, in at the bottom of this waterfall. So I assume that they have they have a secret to immortality up there, um, which is more fully explored in Mibu Village. Oh my god, I just I just realized something. What? Well, wh- so we know that the water can affect you in a few different ways. Yes. Why does the water do X thing we'll talk about in a second to some people? And why does it inflict this centipede parasite on you in the other example? Is it because that area that the water was flowing into just happened to have parasites in the water, which then became immortal like indestructible parasites. And so when we drank them or like people drank them, they were infected by it. Ooh, I like that theory. I never thought about that. I I had always assumed that the parasites were something completely different that the Senpo temple monks ended up discovering on their own. But the guardian ape has it too. Yeah. And I think that's actually, you know, I, I, you know what you sold me. You convinced me. I don't know if it's that. I always assumed that it was a part of like an inner corruption. 
It certainly represents like it that. is it is a mystical thing that happens when you consume that water. But it could Cause, be because for sure, like if you look at like Japanese film and like horror stories, the imagery of centipedes and and similar like creepy crawlies coming out of a body is supposed to represent uh, like death, and especially in places where you don't expect to see it. Right, like something has the appearance of being of alive, being, like, and, alive thriving. and thriving. Yes, and then. It is a common technique to do that, right. I got to go on the record as being very anti-centipede. Centipedes are gross. They have too many legs. And I don't like them. (laughs) I I find this agreeable. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm on board. You sold me. I have no opinion. So, um, sure. So anyways, uh, yeah, the guardian ape, interesting. I think that's a, I like, I love your theory. Um, and you go to the next part and one of the other parts that you go to is Sempo temple. It's a temple where a sect of monks have been searching for the secret to immortality. Um, and unlike trying to escape the mortal coil <laughs> as per Buddhism, um, you end up, they ended up kind of trying to find a way to stay here forever which I thought was an interesting um, juxtaposition. They're instead of trying to escape like the material world, well, right? They yeah. want to live forever in the material world. The exact right. opposite, yeah. right? And of what a monk. So that's kind of like, in, in, at least in Buddhism, um, which I assume has some sort of influence based off of the Valley of the Bodhisattvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the listeners who might be wondering, right? In Buddhism, generally speaking, the end goal is to realize that the world is an illusion. And to reach enlightenment through escaping this illusion and accepting that you are more than just a mortal husk, that you are part of the energy of the universe. And once you get that, you won't care what happens to your body anymore. Mm -hmm. You won't be concerned with living or dying, which is, again, the opposite of what's happened to these monks. And and, and, and so I think part of it that is that they also believe in reincarnation. So you will be forced to relive and go through the suffering of life. Uh, over and over again yes. until you can reach that enlightened state and snuff out the candle of your existence. Um, and then there are two, like in Buddhism, there's two different ways. There's, I don't need to go into all of this right now, but um, Buddhism has like. The, I mean, certainly this game wants you well, to think. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I yeah. guess it is important oh, yeah. to know this stuff because it is. Ha, I think using, it's explicitly one of the themes. It is using that imagery in, in the Valley of the Bodhisattva to acknowledge that. Buddhism is something that is important, at least to the Ashina estate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, rolling back even further, a bodhisattva is a person that has reached enlightenment. And there are two different types of schools of Buddhism, um, which are can be like the big boat, little boat kind There's of thera- system. Theravada Buddhism and, and then Mahayana. Mahayana, yeah. Um, and that they literally mean like, it literally means like big and little boat. And, and and that's why, like, if you look at like Theravada and Buddhism, they're mm-hmm. not really as concerned with a bunch of gods, right? But Mahayana Buddhism has all kinds of gods. There's like a whole pantheon of people because in that version of Buddhism, it is very important to, for some people to remain on earth to show other people the way. Right. And they are the ones yes. who become enshrined as these minor gods. And, yes. and that's, that's what the, the, 
yeah, Mahayana, I think, was the big boat one. Mm-hmm. Um, but or the little boat, I guess. No, right? the little no, the big boat one. Oh, uh, oh, so their version is the big boat. <laughs> because it's I considered that way because the people that reach Nirvana uh, can take an active choice to not leave yeah. the mortal uh, like existence, which is and come the back. Bodhisattva, right? But, yeah, yeah. So you can a bodhisattva is literally just an enlightened person. Okay. Um, and so there are two things you can do oh, as it, an enlightened a boat person because you're bringing you're bringing all everybody with, with you. you. There's yeah. room on the boat, and and the little boat is like, oh, I got enlightenment, I'm out. Okay. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm grossly yeah. oversimplifying yes. for this. So I, for, for purposes so, of this game, this is what you should know. We're in Mibu Village. Um, oh no, we're still at Sempo. He hasn't told us. We're still at Sempo Temple. So Sempo Temple is imp- like one of the important things you find out at Sempo Temple is that these monks in their pursuit of immortality are Which are taking children and trying to use them to create a new dragon heritage. So they are taking a bunch of children, doing horrible experiments on them, so that they have the ability. The monks have the ability to get immortal. Or eternal life. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that they're thinking like we're going to drink this water eventually, but we need to figure out how to make a kid immortal with it first. And so they're like the lab rats, right? Yeah, and they 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 killed a bunch of kids. Um, it and was then they themselves good. became like guardian apes. Yeah, they became infested with these centipedes, but they did manage to create one divine child. Now and I- to be clear, when we say infested by centipedes, because I don't know if we've painted a word picture yet, it's like their heads pop off. And a giant centipede just comes out of the hole in the middle of your neck. And notably, many of them are like almost inert. Like they seem like maybe they're alive because they kind of move a little bit. Of the monks. But they're like, yes. kind of like catatonic almost. Yes. And this is where like the really big question of what does a centipede mean? Like when I start asking that, because I went there first before I saw the guardian ape. So my assumption I saw was the ape first. So I thought the centipede is some kind of manifestation of their sin or something like that. Yeah. Right? But then I saw the ape and I'm like, can an ape really <laughs> sin? Right. So that's what made me wonder: like, is there something, something inherent within simpler the to it, or I don't know. I think it's the consumption of that that runoff mm-hmm. that is the sin. Because this runoff is going through a place where all these small animals are Could living. Be. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Whereas in Fountainhead Palace, it's in the clouds. Probably not a bunch of like little bugs living in it, maybe. Could be. I don't know. I still would assume it's some sort of magical thing. Like the water is corrupt, so then this yes. happens. Yeah. So, you know, you go and you find the divine child after going through a, I don't even know how to describe it, but a Drug trip. fantastical... Well, you enter an uh, illusory, illusory world, yeah. To pr- be the last line of defense. Uh, to protect the child, yeah. We you're catch right. some monkeys. And you have to kill monkeys, which instill terror them. in you. you wanna- oh, real quick note about the monkeys. Real quick. They are a reference to a real temple in somewhere in Kanto. I forgot the name of the area. But- Kanto as in like the place in Pokemon? No, no, no. As in, <laughs> oh, sorry, in the, on the, the mid-eastern side of Japan... There is a shrine that has um, uh, carvings of monkeys, and each one is covering one of its senses. And it's like the see no evil, hear no like evil. Like the classic kind of monkeys. Exactly. What's the fourth one? Feel no? 
I don't know. One, speak two, no evil. Speak no evil. Speak well, there no. That's three. still three, but there are four monkeys in this no temple. Evil. I don't know. <laughs> Smell no evil. Um, yeah, because it's hear no, see no, speak no. Yeah. Taste I can't, no. Can't remember. Smell no. I, I can't remember why that motif was chosen for that temple, but it like guards like. I gotta find out what the fourth one is. Horse or something. Okay, naturally. Well, I mean, in the game, the fourth one is invisible. Be no evil. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think that's the only real conclusion. Anyways, uh, you meet somebody that is important to a lot of the decisions later in the game after getting through the, the all these lines of defenses, which is the divine child, um, a divine heir. No, divine heir is Kuro. Sorry. Um, and she is the only survivor of these horrible experiments the monks were doing. And she's just kind of chilling behind the temple in her own little house alone. Kind of sad. And it's unclear if the monks even know that they made her because they're all dead. Yes. Who knows how long she's been there? There is the one monk who helps you reach her. Well, actually, fun fact about that one monk, you only meet this monk if you get to him before a certain point in the game. He, uh, he And if you talk to him, he gives you a note to give to her, which says, we're sorry for doing these horrible experiments. But if you don't reach this monk before that point, Wait, you find his body uh, in the bottom of a of the pool of water outside the temple. And he, he, he threw himself in there to kill himself. Well, I found him alive. Do you guys remember <laughs> that the voice also tells you what you're about to see before you enter the temple area? Like there's a ghost or a disembodied voice talking to you. I thought you. that was his voice. He's there. It's a person? He's there. He, I was just talking the to note a from wall. Him. I thought that was the divine child. Oh, it was the divine child? Oh, maybe that. Okay. I, okay. I, to me at the time, I was like, I don't know what this means. And then three hours later, I was like, I still don't know what this <laughs> means. So, so maybe it was her. Okay. So then we've covered the ape. I think we mentioned Mibu Village, but we didn't finish it. Well, well, and right. then you, we you, covered the temple so so the ape and the temple are the two ones so then mibu village and the last place you needed to go was mibu village which you Um, had said they were trying to find a different way around it there yeah um so mibu village is this town of almost zombie-like people yeah uh they emerge from the ground they crawl up they are attacking you and there's only one semi-sentient being or human in the entirety of the town, and it's the mayor or chief or the noble who the, owns the land. Right, the noble who owns the land that is like watching over all the farmers. So most of these people are just farmers. You see the farms that they till. You can go into them. You can find some items in there. Um, but it's interesting. This is what most of Japan would look like at this point in time. Yeah, it would yeah. Just be like a single noble, their house. And then all their farmer slaves (laughs) making them rice. But what you learn at this point is that the noble is hoarding all of this magical Mm -hmm. drink, a sake, if you will, um, because the water of Mibu Village has turned all the people into these zombie-like creatures. And the only thing that you can do is either drink it, go thirsty, drink the bad water and become a zombie, go thirsty, or drink sake. What do you what do you think happened to the water? I this is another place where I am actually unclear on it. So at after you beat the boss, the the ghost monk there, she is guarding this ceremonial marriage like cart. Okay, uh, or I, I, there's a better word for it, but I can't think of it. Anyways, oh, pal- the, palanquin. Thank you, pal- yeah. palanquin. There we go. And and so she is guarding this like cave that has the palanquin in there, but also a table, which looks like it's almost an altar for sacrifice. I would like to take a moment and say, I hate that monk. 
Oh, the old, the least the favorite, least favorite like boss in the I game. Like, I liked her. Anyway. She's a badass. She's, so anyways, that whole town seems to be guarding that room for good reason. Um, but it turns out that something in those waters creates almost like a gross kidney stone-like blockage in the people. And if it grows large enough, it becomes the stone and part of the aroma that is needed for... <laughs> The uh, incense that you need what? to sever immortality. Okay. Now I'm convinced that like all of these things are on purpose of like the quality of drinking Just water, corrupt water. Is, is a motif. I, I it is. It is. It. Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, just I don't know why. Drink, drink, <laughs> drink alcohol, I think is the message, uh, especially in ancient times, because it's only the safest water that you can drink. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I did not put that together at all. So yeah, one of the item descriptions says that it's, an accumulation of something like of the sediment mm-hmm. in the in a person's body. So what I assume is after you fight your way through the village and you learn, you hear the noble saying like, "I need more sake. I can't drink that. I need to become oh, a." Oh, okay. You're talking about the person who literally is still looking like a human. Well, mm-hmm. right. He's yes, still looking gotcha. like a human, but you you walk by him. He's, he's in the he's, house just before the monk. He's gotcha, only yeah. he's stored all the sake in town, and that's all he's been drinking. Um, but when you go past him, you get to this sacrificial altar where you find a giant like kidney stone almost. And you're like, yep, this is what I want. And you take it with you. And now that you've got the Lotus, the sword, oh, but on the way there, remember you pass the owner of the land, the noble. And there's a bunch of, of the villagers outside banging on his door. Yes. They're unhappy. And this person looks like some kind of slimy, watery, slug-like creature. Not yet. And they're playing a flute or something like that. Oh, in the the mist... Town, yes. That's not that building. That's oh, that's before. Yeah, it? I kind of, I, I kind of glossed over that. Oh, but that's that's the that's the owner of the land, not the monk. Yeah, that's the mist noble. Right, right. right. The the mist noble is is a big slimy guy. But I'm mm-hmm. saying like past that in Mibu village. Oh, gotcha. But that person is the only one who has like the real water. I assume because they're the only one who becomes a a, yes. a fountainhead like and. The listeners, you'll well, you'll know what this is. I think is they are from the Fountainhead Palace, though, because they obviously know how to use the flute. They, oh yes, they're they're from it, and also yes, there is an entrance to that palace in that area. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the human noble in the town. Once you give him the waters of the Fountainhead, if you backtrack, he does become a mist noble. He does noble. become that, and um, I don't know why. I'm still thinking about that. It's a good question. Um, but anyways. We now have three items. We got the the lotus, the pure white lotus, the mortal blade from Sempo Temple, and we've got this awful kidney stone from Mibu Village. And this but, is basically where you choose your ending. Right. Um, because we need one more thing, but we don't know where it is, so we decide to just go back and talk with Kuro about it. And you climb back to the top of the tower. You can't fast travel there anymore, which is like a big... And, and, and the reason you can't is because the siege has happened. Like, yeah. It's been successful. And the interior ministry, who is whatever superior uh, military force is invading, they have made it to the like the inner walls of the castle, and it is out and out like warfare happening yeah, in all, the middle of all the out war in the yeah. castle. So you're back at Ashina Castle. It's full out attack. Uh, the interior ministry is looks like it's about to take over Ashina. You fight your way back to the top of the tower, and you see something you don't expect. What's that? It's Owl, your father. 
Hoot hoot. <laughs> <laughs> and and so there there is a part of the game we skipped over, um, which because it's completely optional up to this point. And um, that is that you get to, through a series of things I can't really explain, um, you use a bell in front of a Buddha to relive some kind of memory that yeah, you don't... No one can explain You that. don't actually no, it's, remember? It's the true sculptor. It's like actually supposed to be... Oh, okay. Yes. You know what? The, the sculptor tells you, you know, of course, he can only make the angry Buddhas, but some true sculptor came by, some, I guess, true Buddhist guy who could make more than just one type of and he made a smiling buddha right and if and maybe this was a bodhisattva who made this because when you uh make an offering and ring the bell in front of this uh this uh, the statue you go back in time and in in your own head i think yeah you go back and relive a memory there's a lot to unpack with this because you are yeah it's not your memory it's but it is sometimes it might okay. So there is a confusing line at the beginning that I think is what causes me not to really understand this, which is uh, Wolf shows up at the the estate that Crow used to live at before he was kidnapped. The one in the boonies. The Hirata it, estate. It is yes, the Hirata estate, and this is the, like Wolf recognizes this as like a night from like what two years ago? Yeah, two two or three years ago. Yeah, it's amnesia night, and he says, "Oh no, this is the night where you know this stuff happened." Why am I here? Was I ever here? And I don't know if the intention was for Wolf to be showing his like confusion and his disorientation by saying, was I even here? Or if he is telling us the player, I was never here. This is an alternate history. (laughs) Well, there are people who are surprised to see him. You can eavesdrop on people saying, where the hell was this guy? I I don't know, but you are there because people acknowledge you. My, my, my take on this is that he's probably with Kuro, which is so what he's saying is like, what am I doing here? He's saying like, this wasn't how I remember this night. I shouldn't oh. be up on this mountaintop because he goes. So the he, game is explaining why you don't start where you should be in this memory and why you're coming from the perspective of the attackers to the estate. Well, right. So what you're doing here, I in my mind, is this bell is a bell that you get from a dying man on the way to Ashina Castle. Uh, He was guarding the, he was like the last guard before Kuro. And my idea is that this is his memory and you are going through and kind of experiencing it from his point of view. But why would he start outside of the estate? He was also remaining outside the door and guarding it. I think maybe he's just, you know what you, you did, poke a very large hole in this <laughs> it's not your theory. fault i don't i don't know you didn't but, write the game so it's okay so i think maybe it, it's just very confusing uh but you're listeners there. by the way we like this game yeah we I, love this game. I, there are just some aspects of it that are i speed run this game for a little bit it was it's fun it's it's one of my favorite games from 2019 can but, we have a brief tangent do you think that the past tense of speed run is sped run or speed run <laughs> Speed ran. Uh, is speed, speed ran. I think it's speed run, right? I don't know because when I just talked through it, I felt like that was stupid because oh. it's obviously speed ran. But uh, now I'm excited that it's not really that obvious which one well, is right. People say weird. I ran it. Yeah. Yes. That's for sure something they say. Yes. They say I used to speed run it. Yes. I don't think anyone ever says the the direct past tense I version think of speed run. We got to get to the bottom of this. No, I don't think we have to. <laughs> 
this is the real goal of player versus plot. It's like when you're reading a really good book in English class and your teacher's like, okay, time for grammar. Listen, by the uh. way, listeners, this is, this is Lindsay <laughs> off mic. We are taking too long this podcast. <laughs> you guys need to wrap it up. That was before I knew there was a grammar hole we could go down. <laughs> Anyway, so, well, so set the scene. Who is like? What is the current state of this estate so while this mem- you're there? Like, yeah. So this came. memory that you're in, uh, it's the Hirata estate. It's the estate where Kuro and his family were from, and he just happens to have been born with the dragon heritage. What's going on is like it's this walled off and like almost city. Um, yeah. Where people are attacking, bandits are attacking, but not. From the front. Yes. They right. are attacking. They have a secret entrance. So if you, when you first come in the memory, if you do a frontal attack on this estate yourself, the people you will be killing are the Harada estate people. Um, they're, they're, like everything is normal as far as they're concerned. It's only when you go off to the side that there is, like, you find out how the people got past the walls and are now attacking the town. It's because they have some secret entrance that they probably shouldn't know about. A ninja entrance. And um, you'll also know, you'll know exactly who's attacking because they're all dressed like bandits. They're dressed a lot like, actually, the bandits in Seven Samurai. Like, they're wearing (laughs) piecemeal armor, like, thongs. (laughs) Like. They 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 they're not a little very off well kilter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um you slaughter bandits on your way through until you get to Owl. Or you get to Lady Butterfly. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. Owl, you do find, you do find Owl, Owl first. He tells you how to get to Kuro. He's like, you need to go save him. Remember the Iron Code. You know, and Owl obey is, me, obey Kuro. It's apparently dying. He's injured. everything He's in is the middle on of a fire. fire. Yeah. And he you you he gives you the key to the secret room where Kuro is at, and then he dies. Um, you check his pulse, nothing. He's oh my dead. God. I just remembered too, on the way to Kuro, you have to kill the Shinobi Hunter. And I think the Shinobi the Shinobi Hunter is actually on the bandit's side. Yes. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, makes sense. So anyways, um, the only reason Chris is pointing that out is because you go fight, find Kuro, who is being abducted by Lady Butterfly. Who- I always call her... I think it's Lady in the game, but I call her Madam Butterfly because that's the opera. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it is. Have I been misnaming her yep, the whole time? I think so. It's okay. Me so, too. Anyways, Lady Butterfly and you have a pretty epic battle. Um, she's, oh, God. This fight was also real hard She's like me. the most, like, like if Genichiro is the quintessential samurai that you will fight in this game. She's like the quintessential Konu, Konu. The ninja. Yeah, yeah, ninja woman though. Kunai. Oh, yeah. Kuno. Or, uh, Kunoichi. Kunoichi, that's it. Quick note on Kunoichi. That's not like a real word. Isn't it's it like not? uh it's an it's anime. Code. It's an anime word. I've never heard no, that. No, it's word literally before. a code. So ninja used to communicate in coded messages. Mm-hmm. Like like in Dungeons and Dragons, you have like Thieves Cant or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Ninja had that too. Um, they would use codes for like different things, using things that like there is some hint to it that you could remember. So Kunoichi meant like a woman or like a female agent or something like that. It's because if you look at the character for woman um, and you take the individual strokes out and separate them. Is it the same? They make. Then, yeah, it would be neat. Chinese. Okay. You could turn. Yeah. It, the woman. Yeah. You could turn. <laughs> me, me drawing it in the air. Yes, I, the, this is helping the <laughs> listener. But if you took the individual strokes um, I think in order, maybe in, in order, uh, and put them side by side, you will form the katakana kunoichi, 
Wow. That's super cool. Well, actually, you'll form the katakana ku and no, and then the kanji for ichi. I don't know how true that this is like popularly reported. That sounds great. I have seen it in multiple sources. I'm on board. I can't even remember if Katakana would have existed when Ninja were doing that. You can say I was was actually going to ask you. I'm like, did they have that? They have it. I think they, I think they did. I don't, I don't remember when Katakana was created, but it was, it would have been in like the mid millennium. I mean, but, but yeah. So when did like, uh, the, like, Westerners start coming to Japan because I think that's when they would start making loan words. Technically, Westerners existed in Japan at that point too, but okay. Katakana, I don't know if it was just for loan words at that point. Okay. Um, but either way, but yes, actually, foreigners did exist in Japan at that point. Okay. That's like There's why we one have, in the game. That's oh, Sekiro. Huh? Yeah, there is. Foreigner in the game. Yeah. In the, the knight on the branch. Robert. Yes, yes. Which we're not going to touch today, but. Um, I have a lot of unanswered questions about that guy. <laughs> well, we well, might besides talk, that, we might. there's historically there was um, Adam or William Adams or whatever. The Dutchman. The guy from yes. Neo. He's a real person. Yeah. Uh, and there was also Yasuke, the black uh, retainer of Nobunaga. Yeah, this is, that guy is uh, so cool. Learn about How that does guy? that game not exist? He is the coolest character. There is a black dude who washed up in Japan, met Nobunaga, which is already... <laughs> A big deal. Was and trained, like, I like this and guy. And trained you know him in the way of the samurai. This sounds fictional. It's real. It's real. That people were like, you know, we should make a movie about someone who's not Japanese the, being a samurai. So and they did real. The Last Samurai instead of that movie. I think one of the reasons we even, well, besides official records being kept, there's, I think there's literally woodblock prints of Yasuke. Yeah. Whoa. Of like, I think some foreign he, he official was saw over him as a slave, and then like, walk, walk. and they yeah, and they painted him because it was unusual. Like, of right. course you would paint him. You right. don't know who that is. Just huh. like how Commodore Perry has his own paintings. <laughs> yeah, as a Tengu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Madam Butterfly, Lady Butterfly, who is and, a lady ninja. Yeah, and she's master of illusions. And anyways. Uh, <laughs> and they they give you a one time use right. item. Oh my I, gosh! I, just, I, I counter need, her. We do this. need to talk about this. <laughs> they give us what, some snap peas. No, no, um, not some. <laughs> one a p, and it's the guy Which, who gave us the memory bell. Again, if you use it and die, and then you fight the boss again, it's it's gone. Yeah. So so you got to be careful. It's it all, it also only prevents one instance. Oh <laughs> yes. My gosh. So just just to paint a picture for you listeners, she's a master of illusions. She can summon these like fog monsters that will attack you. And um, I I painting this painting memory. the scene even more than more so. Before this, there's a cutscene where Kuro is under this illusion, and Sekiro walks up to him and he's like, "Oh no, he's under an illusion," and he claps and Skuro <laughs> wakes up and he's like oh good well anyways the point of these peas are that you can use them to clap well, and snap you out of this illusion no no if Sekiro can clap an illusion away he should not be reliant do you, on do you think it's because these peas you need a third so party clap crunchy that when you put them in your mouth and eat them it just disrupts it's, it's everything. It's like the loudest crunch. No, what if it's not even you eating them? What if it's just you popping? You pop them? it? <laughs> you just pop. Like a little piece of plastic. Yeah. Bubble wrap, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, um, so anyways, just had to hit that. But uh, the, the item is useless. Yeah. I, we one- hold we hold items in high regards in these games, and that is a shitty item. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's it's like the opposite of like the music box from Bloodborne. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, oh they my play god, it this up. is a huge difference. A big character is, gives it to you and is like, this is going to be relevant with this boss. I don't know if he's a big character. I mean, I think he might. Maybe that's why this guy didn't have what it took. <laughs> he didn't make it. He's relying on some peas to beat. Like... He's like, I ran, almost ran out of peas. <laughs> this is my last one. It's like an old wives' tale. He's clinging to. <laughs> All right, so um, you beat Lady Butterfly. Um, oh, we're getting him. He's going to start calling her Madam Butterfly. And right as you look up and see the secret sanctum catching on fire, a sword goes right through your chest. You look down and you die. But the sword, the, the sword, collapses, someone has stabbed you from behind. Yes, yeah, so you don't know who stabbed you. But as as you fall, um, the roof collapses on top of you, and Kuro comes back and says his line that he says, like, you know, wolf, take my blood, blood and live again. Presumably he was hiding up until that point. Right. So whoever stabbed you didn't find, find him yeah. at that point, but later they must have. Yeah. Oh, that's why there's a two-year gap, because maybe Kuro was in hiding for another couple of years. Yeah. Anyways, um, you get another bell later, and this gives you more context for this memory and it turns like, out who killed you? How did out, Owl so survive? So before we get to that, why, why don't we not say that yet? And let's come back to the present because we were just talking about how when you get all the items for Kuro, you come back to the to Ashina Castle. And at the top. And this guy that was dead, Owl, your dad, Papa. is waiting for you there. And he gives you a hard choice. He says, well, I think it's actually a, a really good choice, an interesting moment too, because Earlier in the game, uh, Kuro asks you a question. Do this, which would like help me and help everything, or follow the Iron Code? And you're not allowed oh, to. Oh, yes, you're right. Before you actually have to take this, I thought this was a, to me, this was a bit of a strange choice in this game. They, they ask you if you want to break the Iron Code at the time that you give Kuro your word that you will help him. Mm-hmm. And I guess that I guess it makes sense because your word is supposed to mean something in this world. So it's not just actions that break the code, it's also words, right? Yeah. So when you swear this oath to Kuro that you will help him kill himself, you are in a sense breaking the iron code by serving him because you're you're supposed to stop him from doing this. Right. right? Your your mission is to Obey your master. So let's say let's say you break the you you choose to break the iron code at this moment, um, and then you get to the part where you meet Owl. Now Owl kind of gives you this choice again, and he's asking you, "Hey, I think Kuro can help us and me, and as your father, I command you to get Kuro for me and let's get out of here, and and we will have the the dragon's blood now." And agreeing with Owl and going with him uh, will mean that you obey the Iron Code. And uh, if you choose instead to help Kuro, you have to break the Iron Code, which puts you at odds with Owl, right? Right, because, you know, number one rule, obey your father. So it's like, you've been dead and I've been doing this entire journey of, you know, helping Kuro and self-discovery. And, well, I, uh, I don't know if the code is right for anything. So you get do get the choice to side with Owl and Should we start with the the version where you do side with him? Yeah, we'll start with okay. the version where you do side with him. So if you do side with him, you have now betrayed Kuro and Ashina. Uh, Owl has been leading the Interior Ministry and or at least siding with the Interior Ministry to take back control of Ashina. So these are the people who have been or, fighting or at their least way. He's kind of helped 
I, I got the 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 idea that maybe he's trying to sow as much discord and cause as much chaos as cover. There are two distinct yes. forces that you see invading the castle. Yes. And like one of them are distinctly interior. Three well, three. Yeah. One of them are distinctly kind of like the interior ministries, maybe first wave kind of situation. Yes. At this point, you're seeing ninja guys camping up on the roof, right? So, okay. And I think those yes. are Owl's people. So even before, you're right. So the, the the there's different stages of of the day that you see like the the status of this battle. The first part of the battle is most of the soldiers are being kept at bay by the the one of the generals and um there are purple ninjas who you will eventually associate with Owl and who are death. kind of they're kind of casing yeah and <laughs> they're kind of casing the area from afar. Then you see the rats. They are the ninja that come from Sempo Temple probably just to spy, not really do much. And then finally you have the Ashina forces there, right? And you have the um, uh, Ishin's private ninjas who are like, <laughs> they're like kite ninjas, uh, I guess. They're highly specialized. They're very specialized. They they hide on kites and then they dive at you. They're real good. They're real good at their job. <laughs> I well, would like to proudly say they did not get me. Nice. I don't know what, it, probably because I'm- Probably the warning scream. Well, I think it's just that I move <laughs> like, around nope, nope, nope. those rooftops with all the fear in the world. Like, I am at a crawl. So yeah. <laughs> You're like a, you're a D&D character with a 10-foot pole just yeah. tapping slowly as yes. you forward. Yeah. Uh, I roll perception. I step forward I one foot. I roll perception. I pour water on the yes. ground. That's me. That is that is me in, in any Souls game. Yeah. And so- um, when later in the day, the the normal soldier, like the I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say the crack troops, the 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 rank and file soldiers break through, and you see some of them occupy, occupying like the outer walls of the castle, and you see a few more of the purple ninjas on the rooftops, right? And there's kind of a theme they're establishing is that spies and ninjas and the like they control the sky, they control the upper levels, thanks to kite technology. Part of it is because they want to, because the game establishes that like you will die quickly to armored opponents if they overwhelm you. And that's why, um, they they have the high ground. Yeah. And we know the high ground is very, in this game, the high ground is hella valuable. (laughs) Uh, and then later at night you will see the like really strong interior ministry troops break through. They're like flame troopers. These are like their elite forces. They've got cannons and flamethrowers. So we side with Al. We're like, yes, Papa. So Emma, the doctor that has been helping you throughout the game, comes out, and as you said earlier, if you gave her some sake, she says like, oh, I, yeah, I do have a sword. Why do I have a sword? Well, to kill any demons if I see any. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. But, <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> so That's where you look at you're like, should I be concerned? So anyways. I found this snake. <laughs> Maybe you should kill this snake. <laughs> she comes out and is like, I'm not going to let you take Kuro. Uh, you're on the path to become a demon. You're on the path to become an as- Ashura. Well, in this game, it's like a term of art. In this game, they have a thing that they call Shura. Yeah. And and it's only a thing really in this game. Right. It's like a, a quote unquote demon of hatred. Yeah. And she's worried that you will become this demon. Good thing she has a sword just for such occasions. Yeah. So she steps out and you have a little fight right where you had get, fought Kanichiro earlier and you kill her. You stab her right through the chest. Brutal. And Owl's looking on, and he's like, good. 
gives you a thumbs up and the nod. <laughs> I was just not participating. Well, he, he's like, you know, throwing some shurikens as if they're like lightning from his throne on the Death Wait. Star. Oh, oh. But he doesn't, but he, where is he during this fight? I he's don't standing and watching. He's just is he like, really standing? Yeah, he was just watching. He's like, I'm not going to dirty my hands in this. This is your Maybe he fight. was protecting Kuro. No, he's not. He's <laughs> trying to like have as little accountability as he can. Interesting. So Emma is dead. Emma's dead. But she's not the last line of And Ishin oh. comes out and Ishin's looking out and he, you know, he's old, he's weak, but he is a badass. He has yeah. studied the way of the sword. He knows exactly what you're starting to become and that yes. is because he used to be this person he, he yes. was on the path he used to, to become be, this yes he used to be on that precipice as well along with a friend that he fought with which yeah. we learn at some point is the sculptor is a sculptor mm-hmm. named orangutan <laughs> i think is it really yeah, i will never orangutan. get over that yeah um, well, yeah. well he he talks about that and in so you know what this is a good time to mention it that if if you get emma drunk enough she will tell you that the sculptor Used to be friends with uh, Ishin because he saved her life, or he saved Ishin's life. One of the two. Well, Ishin and and the sculptor and one other person, mm-hmm. um, trout like kind of like you know we're all yeah, fighters. They're real good. The orangutan and the uh, his friend that I can't think of who died to the guardian ape. She and him were like super close and. Once she died, he kind of like became just a killing machine, and yeah. Ishin was like, "Oh, I can use this." It's almost like uh, he had he had two things in his life. He had a talent, which was for killing, mm-hmm. and he had a morally defensible reason to use his talent. And at some point, and and that already made it him kind of dangerous and on on the precipice of being of, of a very dark path, right? And at some point, when that defensible reason went away. He's like, I'm still going to use this talent. And that's what put him on the edge of becoming a demon. Because in this world, if you like killing enough, you literally become a demon, right? Yeah. And And Ashina saw that that was about to happen. And he says, for your own protection, I'm chopping your arm off so you can't do this shit anymore. Yeah, Ishin was such a badass that he was able to, like, stop his transformation into this, like, demon. And And, and it kind of shows how strong-willed Ishin is that right. Ishin just chose not to do it anymore. He Ishin? decided not well, to. Well, Ishin still had it was, was still path. kind of on his Ishin's own purpose. He, he I think he That's a good I think point. he still had a purpose. I think his problem was that he or his reason why he didn't become was cuz he was still forging this ultimate sword style and at that moment he realized that oh my gosh, demons might be real and uh <laughs> two, that would I change can, a lot of things. I can Forge my sword style so much in this crucible. If I can defeat a demon, then I will say I have perfected it, and maybe I'm done. Mm-hmm. But uh, but for whatever reason, he but, kind of backs away from that. Yeah, right? and for whatever reason, he backs away from that. Kind of retires, I guess. It's a light retirement. Yeah, but when when he needs uh, someone to like kind of do some business for him because he sees that Kuro is in danger, he for some reason he sympathizes with Kuro. He tells Emma, get a wolf, get this wolf uh, ninja who's supposed to protect Kuro and get him to the sculptor. Make the sculptor use his old shinobi uh, prosthetic and equip it to the wolf. Can we talk about... And Emma, you stand there because I think this this could still turn the sculptor or wolf into a demon. So I'm putting you on guard duty in case you need to put one of them down. Demon duty. 
Yeah. So it's dark. Does that mean that the sculptor continued killing after having his arm chopped off? I think so. Yeah, he had the I, shinobi prosthetic? So I, think, I think it made him worse. Okay. So, yeah, I think it stopped his ascent to be becoming a demon, but at the same time, it allowed him to continue to kill, which is why he needed the prosthetic. Yeah. So he was okay. still a tool of Ishin in his conquest. And, and then at some point, growth. he's granted retirement? Retirement. It might Question be that mark? the sculptor, I, I kind of read it in a more fucked up way. I thought the sculptor chose to retire yeah. to that temple I, or a shrine. And, right. Um, or I guess it is a temple, sorry. And they send Emma there to watch over him. Then they find Wolf and bring him back. And then um, Ishin tells him, give him your, your right. thing. And then I think that the sculptor finds a new kind of purpose in his life. By creating this uh, prosthetic for you. And that purpose is to figure out new ways to kill people. <laughs> Which we'll so come back spends, to. Yes. So the whole time, he is basically gradually update, upgrading your prosthetic. And thinking right. about combat more. And, he's, so, and he stopped carving those Buddhists car- yeah. to get yes. statues. So he was at risk of turning into this demon. And now yes. you have sided with Al. You don't have much of a moral compass. You're just... Fighting in a direction that someone yes. points at. It kind of reminds think, me of going hollow from I Dark was, Souls a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I, I was thinking that it kind of has an almost like he's an addict and yes, you absolutely. are his drug of choice. And you are like, hey, man. Yeah. No, I just think being around you is like. It's kind of like the Edward and uh, Bella line in Twilight. I don't. Where Edward recall. is like, oh, you're like my brand of cocaine. That is and, not a line <laughs> in Twilight. And, and I Wolf, it. and Wolf, you're mine. No. So, I don't know. A Mormon woman wrote that. She wouldn't make a cocaine don't, but, valentine. Uh, I don't, she did. It seems like, I'm not going to say this, it seems like something a Mormon person would say. That's terrible. <laughs> It sounds like something uh, I've seen in religious books where someone's like, I don't need drugs. Jesus is my drug. Or Ganesh. <laughs> something. Ganesha. My, like, Vishnu is my crystal meth. Okay. <laughs> so Sekiro has been kind of pointed towards killing anyone that stands between Al and Kuro. And at this point, it is Ishin, master of the blade. This fight is something special. Oh, so we we brought it up that like Ishin uh, kind of knows how to fight his own like his own sword style. demonic style almost right. Like yes. you can kind of see in this fight that Ishin he's all counterattacks. Like he's he's he controls the pace of the fight. If you press him in the wrong way, he will punish you really hard for it in a way that pretty much no other enemy in the game will do. So you kind of see this very reactive style, this very defensive style which I think most people will probably see this ending after they see a different incarnation of Ishin. And so this is a surprise, right? Like this version of Ishin, he's over it. Like, yeah, this and, ending is is likely not your first ending but, that you choose. And I, I really do want to like just hammer that point home, Chris, because this is a very different Ishin than the one that you read about in the yeah. item descriptions. And it's the very different Ishin than the one that you encounter in a very different circumstance. Mm-hmm. That is important because I think this fighting style, the way it mechanically feels while you're fighting against him is indicative of his growth as a human yes. being. This, this is Ishin at his most tired, at his most 
I would say fed up with your shit. Yeah. I was going to say like world weary. Exactly. Every, like he's tried to make good choices. He's seen, he's expressed disappointment in Genichiro because Genichiro has made decisions with drinking the water. It's revealed at some point that Genichiro has acquired kind of a forbidden blade as well. So he's disappointed in, in him. He's disappointed in what's happening to his his country, his land, I assume. Yeah. He kind of had his last bastion of hope put in you aiding Kuro because he, he was intrigued by Kuro's decisions and wanted mm-hmm. to assist him on his journey. And now he's like, yeah. what the hell? There's also, a kind of cold detachment to the way he fights. Well, right. Yeah. And I think he's also disappointed in himself because he's the one who created this Ashina country or, or land. And yeah, it was based off of his on war. He's kind of this. He's kind of why Genichiro exists and is doing what he does. And yeah. he's the reason you exist and are doing what you do. And, and he's like, I got to put down all of these dogs that <laughs> I set against each other. Yeah. So I think at this point, he's just grown to the point where he's like, I've made mistakes and now I got to write them. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, you do defeat him. Yes, several hours later. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> he dies. One montage later. So you kill him. Owl comes out and it grabs Genichi, or I'm not Genichi, Ishin's blade and picks it up and claims, I am now the new ruler. I And he says his real name, which I think is really weird because as a yes. shinobi, you forego your name. You, exactly. You don't, you, you're supposed to throw it away, which is why you're wolf. At this moment, you realize that like, like shinobi are supposed to exist outside of the normal hierarchical structure where the iron code establishes that their relationship is only with two other people, right? So their name doesn't matter that at that moment, you can definitely verbally see him throwing the iron code away and saying, no, actually I have a name. I'm going to go get me some land. I'm going to make this name famous. I'm going to be a, a daimyo or whatever, like a, a landowner. Yeah. I'm going to be a, a political player. My name's going to go down in history. And as he's saying that, as he's say, like cut off right between his first and last name, a sword goes right through his chest, similar to the memory that you had in the past standing behind him. Yeah, and it's unclear if it's because Wolf realizes this or if Wolf is just like, you know what? If he's going to abandon the Iron Code, then I guess I have to, too. I, so yeah. Maybe so, maybe he's, oh, he's actually and, obeying his father because his father abandoned oh, the code. Broke the Iron Code. And now it's okay for him. I to interpreted it yeah. differently. I assumed that this is his progression to becoming this demon. That's how I originally interpreted and it, And he is just fueled by, he's just killing. Oh, well, yes. He's like, yeah. Killing. I it's kind of what I do now. I think it's interesting that the moment he kills Owl and the moment he arguably like completes this transformation um, is the moment Owl breaks the Iron Code. Because if if Wolf has nothing left to cling to, if he has no defensible excuse mm-hmm. to practice his sword, yeah, just like all that's left is just the fact that he fucking loves killing people. Yeah, so yes. just like orangutan, he no longer has a quote morally defensible reason to live unquote and yeah. now he all he has is his killing yes so yeah. really at this point uh the game ends the game goes into a voiceover saying that uh that you you kind of went crazy you became a demon uh people yeah. people and and they don't imply that you became like a big flaming ah demon it's just kind of like your name kind of went down as like a th- demon they, don't they show like an image of a demon no you um, kind of start like getting a bit 
on fire a little bit, but then the game cuts out and then it's a voiceover and it tells you, uh, he went on to massacre lots of, lots of people, lots (laughs) and lots of people, which is really what was happening the whole game. But the thing is, and then they say first that makes what happens next, a much bigger surprise. Like what happens when you you see what a demon looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the voiceover says it's rumored that he's still alive and out there today. (laughs) <laughs> so then that's the correct ending because you get eternal life <laughs> immortality <laughs> yes. if there's one thing I've learned from this game it's that immortality is the ultimate goal and you should pursue it at all costs yeah I agree well that's what we learned from the Senpo monks and it'll just look at them and that's Hashtag how Sekiro ends <laughs> but there are three other endings which are very similar we yeah they're, they're, they're all very similar and we'll, we'll hit them all as we go ahead they have the same dramatic points just like slightly different epilogues basically yes, yes. yeah so if you don't side with uh, Owl you fight him you beat him it's a pain too Kuro comes out and he's like, oh, wow. Or he doesn't come out, but you go down and Kuro previously, prior to this fight, rebuffed Owl saying, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to give you eternal life. Mm -hmm. So you go downstairs and kind of break the news like, I killed my dad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And How's your day going? Well, you know, I went out for some groceries and on the way home, I ran into my dad. He wanted me to betray you. So... Anyway, his corpse is upstairs. <laughs> but the thing is, on his corpse was the last item that you needed to needed to uh, create the incense to. Oh, he had the branch, the era, which had the mysteriously the gone missing from a tree that like wasn't there so, anymore. Right. Well, the thing wilted. is, the ever blossom was a tree from this mythical Fountainhead Palace, which is like nobody really knows where it is. It's just a place of myth and legend. Oh, and, um, and Tomoe yeah. and the original dragon's heir, um, who she was protecting, she, they brought this back with them to, and planted it outside of Ashina castle. The rule was you're not allowed to pluck anything from it. It'll always, it, other, but it's always in bloom otherwise. And, and, and they moved it to the Ashina's garden or yes. something like yeah. that, where it wilted away. And well, died. it wilted away because someone broke off a branch, and that somebody oh, was Owl, gotcha. as you learn. So you take this branch, you take all the other items, and you create an incense to and go back to the palanquin that was where that awful, awful kidney stone was. Now, at, is it at this point that you can do the second flashback memory? Did we want to uh, touch on that one? Oh, for sure, but yeah. I forgot what gives you the bell for that okay so it's emma Emma gives you the bell you have to eavesdrop on kuro uh kuro is talking and says and kind of reveals that uh if we go down this path i'm the one that's going to die because that's the only way to set wolf free it's the only way to set the world free it's the best thing for humanity emma is there and she's like well i mean that's what you want to do but um sakura or wolf overhears this confronts emma is like no, you can't do that. And she runs off to Orangutan and asks for his advice. You overhear this, the sculptor. And the sculptor and Emma have a conversation where he confirms that, you know, if you if you do this other way, you can save Kuro, but Wolf, Sekiro, yeah, Wolf will, will have to die in his place. And Emma's like, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. And then you confront Emma like, why do you keep not telling me the whole truth? She's like, all right, well, here's what you need to know. It gives you your father's bell. You go back into the memory and discover that Owl had taken a some sort of medicine to make him seem dead. He, Which you can do, too. Yeah, it's true, actually. 
and you go back and find out that Owl was the one who stabbed you in the back, and you fight and, him. And also, on the way there, you actually get to hear... So, remember, the bandits were attacking the Hirata estate, but had not broken through at right. that point, right? When you get there, they ha- when you get there in the second memory, I think you're seeing what actually happened. Mm-hmm. They did get through. And they are talking, and they say, hey, yeah, remember, like, Owl gave us the directions of how to sneak attack this estate. Yes. Uh, can we really trust him? I don't know. But seems like it's working so far. And notably... Um, you know, you, this is confirmed by enemy placement because Owl's ninja, who are not aligned with the bandits, like they'll fight the bandits if you need them to, they're just watching from the rooftops. Like they're kind of monitoring the progress of the bandits, probably so they can time their kidnapping. So you observe all of this stuff and you kind of sneak your way back to where you last remember it being, which is immediately after you beat uh, Lady Butterfly and get stabbed in the back. You mean Madam Butterfly? Madam Butterfly. No. And, uh, <laughs> no. Owl is just waiting for you there. Yeah. And then you have a really slick fight with him. A um, really fucking cool fight. And you, yeah, I didn't do this and, for me. And you find... Okay. So here's a part of the game, though, that really like boggles my mind. Because you beat him, and he dies, and you find a blossom like the actual real blossom yes. that was plucked from the ever blossom and it's still in bloom so, so you, you can take that live through a hypothetical memory which and, for sure never happened and pulled out a real, a real item which you can now use to alter the ending i don't understand how the memories work in this game i anytime you bring in some sort of time travel situation into any story all of a sudden all my red flags are up and well, i'm like i have all the questions it's which is why yeah. what was it uh end game did it so well they're like just don't even think about it like just don't <laughs> it's worth pointing out that this game like doubles down on the impossibility of what you're doing yeah that's like, true. It's definitely presenting this to you as some kind of magic. And it is uh, even less sensical than normal time travel yes. things. It's and like I you're not even time traveling. Saying it may, I, I, I you're imagine, just spirit traveling. You know what? I'll say this: your item storage in the game, and and the game says this in an absolutely played straight manner. You store items thanks to Buddha. Buddha is allowing you to use his item storage space. Do you guys remember this? Yes, I do. And that's all they say about it. They're like, he's very generous to let you do this, right? Thanks, Buddha. Wait, okay. I don't. I don't actually remember this. I said, yeah, and nodded, yeah. but I don't. I don't remember if that. You, the, one of the first times there. you find like uh, the, the sculptor's little, idol. Yeah, one of the, the idols. Uh, something tells you that your the the reason you can store stuff there is that you are giving it to Buddha, and Buddha is just holding on to it for you. <laughs> So I like actually, one of his many hands, like, <laughs> and or so is that like I honestly, Yin or something? I mean, what can't you attribute to Buddha? Yes, <laughs> that's true. So and, and I, just a quick I, and, and for the for the listeners that haven't played the game, uh, these idols that we're talking about, they're the save points. Um, they're, they're the bonfires. They're the bonfires if you played at Dark Souls, they're checkpoints, um, and you can go there to level up and. Uh, yes, and pray. the more often you die, you you come back there through the the magic of the divine blood. Um, but it takes a toll on the people. Oh yeah, Shina. yeah. There's a thing called dragon rot, which I think that the the purpose of this thing in the game is to show you that there is a cost to humanity of you using this resurrection power, and so they want you to know that Genichiro's like methods are not without casualties; that it will eventually kill. 
yeah. not everyone. For but some a lot reason, of you using sick. it makes people have this like terrible illness, like the black lung. Dragon yeah. rot. And like you can heal them though, but there are maybe limited heals. I never ran into that as an issue. So I was paranoid at first because people I talked to and like we're getting it. And I was like, I'm not going to heal anyone. Cause what if I only have like yeah. two chances to heal? And you, I think you what have to give do? them a dragon blood droplet. Yeah. Or something like it that. turns out you can get plenty. I mean, not plenty. You're not tripping over them, yeah. but I never ran into, no one yeah. died from dragon rock, especially because game. you're going to, you're probably going to do a bunch you of had two die. Yeah. The guy who gave you the first memory and his mother. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought there's the guy parts who of the game where they the just first memory dies no matter what from dragon rot for me. I thought I thought there's no way to save him. Yeah. Uh, well, doesn't the game also show you a message for each person who gets dragon rot? Yes, there is a special message for the dragon rot. Anytime the sculptor got it, I like panicked. I yeah. Like I got I got to heal him right I now. I think it's hilarious that the you can give the sculptor dragon rot. He's the first person to get it, and which will prevent you from like giving him sake or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but he will still. Carve your stuff. Well, he, he says, don't worry about me. This won't be the end of me. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a what? nod and, and tip of the hat to his yeah. inner well, demons. Doesn't it kind of show how slavishly devoted he is to that yeah. craft? Well, that he will yeah. continue through sickness. Yeah. So, okay. We've gone back. We've done the second oh, memory. Yes. I brought, plot twist, I brought this owl. all up. So we're talking about why can you go back in time, yes. see this hypothetical memory and pull a physical and thing out of it. Buddha's pockets. I think it's because... Buddha is actually giving you this glimpse of something that you want. All right. So we're going to just Buddha hand wave here. Well, and I'm fine with well, that. We're, I'm saying that because you I, access it through Buddha. Yeah. So I'm just, no, that, I'm that just going to like point out like to me, that's terribly ironic uh-huh. that Buddha is like, oh, you want this? <laughs> no, you Let me hold on to this owl? and give it back to you. When the Buddha is all kind of about. Uh, everything in life makes you suffer, so uh, your real goal is to get out of this. <laughs> well, another oh, really? Point, you want this yeah. material thing? Here, let me hold your material things, and then I'll just give them do, back do, to you. Do you want to be an Ashura? Uh, yeah, do you want to be an Ashura? I've got, I've got. These are very good points. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know what it means. I mean, well, remember Buddha in Japan. Asian and especially Japanese Buddhism like is East Asian. Th- there is Buddha is concerned to some extent with the material world he it's just that at some point in that journey eventually it's kind of more like hinduism than theravadan buddhism is because it has this recognition of the journey of human life and the many material things you need on the way there but it still is supposed to end with you transcending that and the clearest example of this to me is journey to the west right which concerns itself with a real jackass of yeah. a character <laughs> who constantly gets all these so magical cute. boons and these these items and something's helping him out. And he literally pees on Buddha at some point. <laughs> but at the end, he becomes a bodhisattva. But yeah, he, he there still is, is. Even he can do it. There's hope for everyone. Yeah, and Buddhists, I'm sure, lots of Buddhists read and loved this story. And If anyone's so, feeling down about their chances in life, just think, have you ever peed on a Buddha? If you and if the answer is no, you're still doing better than than that guy. But you still got to be really strong and cool for Buddha to ever forgive you for peeing on his hand. It's true. Yeah. And 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 so luckily I am. I mean, <laughs> that you know, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. Uh, I think that's Goku. A good example. But I always wondered why he never became a Shura. 
or an Asura. Why, why didn't the Monkey yeah. King? Because I think the Monkey King always had, he was still continuing on this journey to accomplish something. and To the West. He had a morally defensible reason for what he did, right? And I, I think that's kind of the key thing is the, the Asura, and for listeners, Asura in, in especially, like it comes from Hinduism, but the Asian ta- the East Asian take on the concept of an Asura is a figure of great pathos who is very attached to the material world and they have great power and they don't know what to do with it. They're conflicted. They want to use it to, to create change in a place that doesn't really matter in the great scheme of things. And a lot of stories are about Ashura like figures because they are most comparable to humans. Right. And we're interested in, in their struggle because they mirror our own. And you Wolf are kind of like this Ashura esque figure where you're doing these undeniably grisly and and terrible acts. Yeah, murdering your way. Many innocent people. Right. And so I think, though, that you might be tiptoeing a line, though, the whole way uh, yes, through. absolutely. Like, you are tiptoeing the line of Ashura and and being a almost a Bodhisattva-like figure. Well, I will say this game... So this is where we have to be really careful, right? An Ashura is someone who is tiptoeing this line. Okay. They are someone who who is conflicted, Right. But this game uses, I would call, a term of art for the Sekiro universe. Right. Where you can become a uh, space Shura, which is their word for the demon that you will turn into if you go all the way down this path. And the only thing left in your life is violence. It's like magnifying it and personifying it. Like, like yes. Taking it to an extreme to assist in the game's message. Yeah, yeah and, I, and thanks to this conversation, I realized most of the like the the two characters that this happens to, they essentially have nothing left to live for. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. killing really is all that they they can pursue at yeah. that point, right? Yeah. So in the the ending we're on, where you you finally did not side with Al, you're pursuing this other thing. We're on the palanquin, right? Flashback done. You made the ar- you made the incense. You're coated with the aroma. You go in the palanquin, and a giant straw Which, hay man picks you up and carries you to the so, Fountainhead Palace. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, what are your you have you have options at this point? You're still pursuing three possible endings, yes. but essentially you are there because your goal is what? So. The you blade. the mortal you already have the mortal blade. Yeah, yeah. your you goal dragon. is oh, to get right. dragon's tears. Yes, uh, the, the you need the that whole, for any ending. Yes, you need the dragon tears for any ending. And the reason you want dragon's tears is Kuro's telling you that the dragon tears are the only thing that would allow you to sever the immortality, to end this terrible chain of life and death, and then and this dragon is also the source of. Kuro's power, presumably. Yes. That is a very interesting rabbit hole to go down. I don't know if we'll be able to tackle it today. Probably not. Um, so you need the dragon's tears to give to Kuro so that he can sever immortality. You, if you haven't been paying attention in the game, don't know that that means it's going to end up killing Kuro. If you are paying attention, you know that it's going to kill Kuro. So now you have a choice, and that is kill Kuro or find an alternate solution. So and you're in this beautiful Fountainhead Palace in pursuit of that option. Do you want to like paint a word picture? So the Fountainhead Palace is like a giant koi pond where you have 
wonderful red pagodas that are built into the pond and create a pathway to a mountaintop where there is a shrine. It is for sure when I imagine like a fantastical luxury vacation in Japan, it's just the Fountainhead Palace. It's just these big, beautiful yeah. pagodas and mountains and, and there's cherry blossoms. So like the Fountainhead Palace kind of represents Western culture from the perspective of Japan. Like the, the people who come from Fountainhead Palace are referred to as people from the West, which in the context of oh. Sengoku era Japan doesn't mean what we think of as the West now. It, it not, means it's not China. Mean, it means China. <laughs> and of course, um, especially before the Sengoku era and like the Heian era of Japan, where a lot of like what we now think of as classical Japanese culture that was basically a lot of Japanese warlords one at a time deciding we need to be like China because this will make us stronger somehow. Mm. In other words, like they were looking at China, they were thinking like China is this place that is so like they're thriving. They have so much power. How do we get that? Right. Yeah. We don't know any, what makes China China. So if we take as many things as we can from them, Maybe you will win more wars. This explains a lot about why I really like the Fountainhead Palace. And that's why we get stuff like Buddhism in Japan. Right. Things like their architecture. And all of this is on display in the Fountainhead Palace. This is the height of... That makes a lot of sense. This is essentially the height of Japanese, like, bougie nobility (laughs) culture. Like, like there is a reason why the the highest point in this game is represented as, like, this noble culture that we associate with it's, like the yeah, emulation it's kind of, of like the chinoiserie that the French were experiencing in the 1700s almost mm. where they're looking to China and saying like oh wow this is so cool except they so were posh. France was just kind of taking like materials and Japan was looking at like what is cultural their way touchstones. of thinking how yeah. are we going to do because, this because if you want to do the same thing another country is doing how do you know which thing it is. Now I will say weirdly then they did actually end up taking um like Buddhism, I think there was some Taoism that made its way to Japan mm-hmm. and also some Confucianism also made it its way to Japan, but that happened during the early 200 AD era. Oh, and of course we should mention martial arts. <laughs> A lot of that also <laughs> helped yeah. probably. Yes. So then the parallel probably ends when there are just like there aren't people here, not like human people. They are slug people yes like the one that we mentioned earlier in the foggy house and, playing and the flute it's implied that these were once human people mm-hmm. because they drank this water and there's a there's a human woman who is still in fountainhead palace they're technically two, Techni- two yeah people. it's technically they're, they're twins two, they're twins <laughs> and it's oh unnecessarily complex. they are twins that you never see in the same place at the same time so they could have easily been uh-huh. one person wow. but they're two people but they're not but if i, I remember a, a woman saying like they tricked her son into drinking her, or her, fa- her father her father, her father. this water promising immortality and, and it just turned him into that slug thing and i feel like there's an element of like pretension to this like this idea that like these people who they drank here, the kool-aid they're better yeah exactly they drank the kool-aid they became better i don't know what they became right or it's, at what cost yeah it's supposed to be grotesque in some way well yeah. it certainly is because slug people is doing them quite a service if but, i if i do you know, say so but myself at the same time from their perspective they're like we did it we are immortal <laughs> they are we're mortal and we're we're mortal weird slugs. blue and they have cool superpowers yeah their superpower is to turn you into an old person 
Like they suck. Yeah. They suck what your vitality. Make of that. So my 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 understanding and how I interpreted that 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 attack that they did. Um, they play their flute and they suck your vitality out. They drain so I think your that they're life. draining your life and turning you into an old fart. But why do they need to do that if they're immortal? I think they just have like soul control. That is their. I think their area of power is related to like your soul or your vitality or your immortality. I was just they're so th- good at it; they can control other people. I was just gonna say. Uh-huh. I was just gonna say they have some sick kicks. So like, <laughs> they don't kick; they just play well, a flute. Like, my, 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 uh, like Katara is like, I can control water. Now I can control your water. <laughs> yes. with your blood or something. Yes. Okay. It was that kind of a, a you mean Katara's only interesting moment. <laughs> what blood bending? Yes. Go watch Avatar last year. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go After, watch for later. For later. I, uh, all anyone needs to know is that I really like Azula, <laughs> and I think that says a lot. Well, there's some Azulas <laughs> in Fountainhead Palace because you see all the, the ladies are the badass ladies. Actually, I think all the war. Yeah, all of the all, warriors are women. Yeah, yeah, all the warriors here are women. They all and less slug-like. Importantly, channel lightning, and that's I think that's an important note because it does bring into question for me who the hell is Tomoe. There are a lot um, of that's because Tomoe all the question marks. in all of the of the uh, item descriptions say that she was the essentially wolf like figure for the previous dragon heritage. Oh, oh, like as in a retainer. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was confused too. I'm like, she wasn't a wolf. No, but she yeah, was. She, she acted as she if, is. To, yeah. A is to B as C is so to D. She was the protector of Takeru. I think she's more like uh, Ta- Genichiro or someone like that. Though. So I don't think she's a ninja. Takeru is the guy who had the dragon heritage before Kuro. Because well, she she trained, she trained Genichiro. Him Ro- right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so Tomoe ended up severing the immortality of Takeru. After that, she trained... I think trained... it's implied that she's from the Fountainhead Palace. Well, that's kind of... There. That's kind it of, seems like it. That's kind of what... That she's, uh, no, she's from the Fountainhead okay, Palace. It's she like and Takeru familiar. are both, both from, from there. Okay, they okay. moved to Ashina for some reason that I cannot remember. Okay. And they both kind of look back up at Fountainhead Palace yeah. sometimes. At, they the look at the clouds and they, 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 one of the moves, the one that you were talking about where you slash a bunch that Genichiro uses. Floating Cloud Passage, yes. I believe. Yeah. Floating Cloud Passage. That is something Genichiro learned from studying Tomoe, looking at the clouds and mimicking their movement it is it's it, i will say the descriptions are a little all over the place when it comes to tomoe and and her her boy there's to? yeah there's definitely some stuff there yeah but it's either conflicting or too vague it's a little intentionally open-ended what, what I we think. can at least i think what narrative purpose they serve is to show you how people from fountainhead palace some like got involved with the Ashina clan yeah. and married into their family or something like that. I also think there's the sense of creating mythological figures and how, I mean, if, if we talk about this game as being about generational relationships, right? Your loyalty to family, the way you relate to your father, then this idea of a, a, past figures that you look up to that mirror and mimic what you're going through is also mm-hmm. important too. So I think they established that it's yeah. that on a grander scale. And, and and I think in the past they were kind of alluding to the fact that Ganichiro or Tomoe was essentially you. So you, so Tomoe, this female warrior uh, had a relationship of being a mentor to Ganichiro, but also a protector yeah. to Takeru. Um, but I think 
we and, and she's notably a foreigner. Yes. To Ashina. This is what this is where it gets a little confusing for me. So I I think we all agree that the whole purpose of Tomoe and, and uh, Takiru existing is that they do somehow link Fountainhead Palace to Ashina. Right. Because they confirm that like people in Ashina used to know and talk to Tomoe, right? Yeah. So, Her but, grave is in a pretty prominent place. Right. But the only person in Ashina who wanted to learn from Tomoe in like martial arts was Genichiro. And other people didn't like the idea of using a foreign fighting style. Yeah. So Genichiro is kind of a child of multiple worlds in a sense. And that's yeah. why he's able to like think differently from everybody else, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Because Genichiro is awesome. So anyways, uh, just to wrap up this story and get to the ending real fast. Uh, you get to the top of the Fountainhead Palace. There is a shrine-like rock there and a woman asleep. I have so many questions uh, about that cradling woman. Cradling it. Tomoe. I, right? I don't know if that's Tomoe. I, who knows? Anyways, I'm it's not important. You go and pray in front of the rock oh. and you're transported to a foggy, Wait, misty but that woman talks. World. No, she doesn't. She, or like there's some... She's asleep. She She's breathes. That's She's what asleep. it is. Yeah. She's not dead. She's just in the deepest sleep ever. It's very confusing. It I seems like a DLC hook. Yeah, I don't think any DLC is going. Yes. Up. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to get that out. So you're you're in there. You're past her. It's dragon time. So you go, dragon and there is a giant. Rock the dragon. Well, what are the things you see first? Like they're like little. I well, there's dragon. a giant tree. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of sick little dragons that are vomiting everywhere. And your goal is to kill them. Yeah. But they when they vomit, they also sprout trees. This is. Possibly the most important and yet most confusing imagery to me in this mm. game. I 100% agree. Because this is clearly the, like, the, the, the begin like, this is one of the sources, if not the source of this power that you're worried about. And they're showing you that there is something going wrong with this power, even mm. in heaven. And I will say, too, these dragons are the, like, East Asian concept of dragons. Because yeah. there was a moment when there was the knight who was very clearly like an English yeah. or European oh, yeah, of yeah. some sort. It's worth mentioning that. He was like, oh, the dragon, like we came from the West and other people are like, yeah, the dragon's from the West. So for a while I was like, I wonder if it's going to be like a Welsh dragon. <laughs> like if it's just going to straight yeah. up look like a medieval fantasy dragon, but it's obviously just like West is in Chinese yes. for the dragon and, and too. To clarify these little dragons. They like they're like bipedal and they're yeah. like old people. They're, imagine Mushu, but a little bigger and, and all black and gray. Yeah, mm -hmm. and old and wrinkly looking. And then he turns into a tree. And so I, I don't know what this. But let, let's talk. Let's set the scene further before we figure out what this means. So you you kill these dragons. Yeah. With your is it with a mortal blade? Yeah. Can you kill yes. with anything? I mean. I, uh, you can't equip you can a different blade. Only use you? once you have that sword. You have that sword. You have Kusabi no, Maro. Oh, it is a special move. It is a special That's move. That's right. Um, so Kusabi Maro is the sword you use to attack everybody, and you use the mortal blade to get some of the dragon's tears. Though I do. So you can kill these little dragons with your regular sword. Okay. Yeah. And then after you kill the little dragons, then you have to fight. After you kill the little dragons, you have to fight the, the divine. divine dragon, the big divine dragon. Who looks like 
the dragon from Dragon Ball Z, but blue. What? Is uh, Shenron? He's got that like, like a class. He's well, got that scale. He's got that squiggly. But you know what? Actually, there is an important difference. And this dragon is slightly more anthropomorphic than like the Dragon Ball, like the traditional Chinese dragon. Okay. You see in Dragon Ball. He has, what does he only have one arm? Yeah, like he's, missing, oh, his, arm. he's yeah. missing his left arm. Just like Sekiro, the sculptor, and the demon of hate. Do you, so what I, I thought, did this mean that this dragon is somehow linked to that tree? And when that branch was yes. taken, it hurt yes. the dragon? Yes. yes. So I think that there's two readings of that. The, and the tree being? The Ever Blossom, which was the tree that you needed to get back to the Fountainhead Palace. Where Owl took the branch, it turned out. Yeah. So I think it is, that's... Pretty much the major suggestion is that uh, Tomo and Takaru, when they left the Fountainhead Palace years ago um, and planted the Ever Blossom tree, that was actually the left arm of the dragon. Uh, oh, so we're not. And I think then the, that's why the there's one branch. I, so I guess what I was imagining was that that oh, tree was somehow linked to the dragon, and by taking a branch off, they injured the dragon. I think that when they took the branch off, it killed the tree. So if the tree was thriving, the dragon was fine. Mm-hmm. But when they killed the tree by removing the branch, which went against the rules, mm-hmm. that shriveled his arm. And that's probably why all the little dragons were coughing and vomiting. And why you needed a branch from that tree to get back to that that part to reach the dragon. And I think that's why there's the tree motif Quick note, with those dragons. In Japanese, they are called the the white dragons of the... No, the, sorry. The the old men of the white tree. Okay. That's their name. Okay. So I think that explicitly connects the, the dragon to the tree then. And the concept that that tree is one extension of it oh. as a large tree. Wow. I feel like we're getting really screwed on like the meaning of this here because the divine dragon it's in Japanese Okami. is like the... <laughs> Like the Sakura Ryu or whatever. Yeah. It's a Sakura dragon. Okay. Literally cool. the, the tree. Nailed it. <laughs> it's the tree dragon. Swoosh. So uh, here's an interesting also tidbit um, regarding the divine dragon, the little guys, I think. So you fight this dragon. I feel like it's worth bringing up how you kill the dragon. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like you have to kind of make it through its barrage of attacks and then you have to jump on these like trees that sprout and then you have to read. I believe you redirect lightning. You, t- yeah, you Tomoe am. You, you learn. You uh, apply the skills you've learned fighting Genichiro, who learned that from Tomoe, mm-hmm. uh, to take the lightning bolts that the dragon is hurling at you and redirecting them back at him. Pew pew. And then after enough of this happens, uh, the dragon is knocked down, and you can run up its sword, which is a seven-branched sword, which is pretty interesting and a lot of Uh lore to that. If you're interested, Google seven branch sword. Um, But you run up that sword and then you take your mortal blade and slide it into his tear duct to get the dragon's tears. Yeah. It's not how I'd want to end my day. Do you leave him alive? I believe so. I don't think there's any reason. I think so. Just harvesting his tears. By cutting his tear ducts open. So, you know, you do that, you run out of the, you, you get out, you leave, you head back to Ashina Castle again. Can't warp up, or you can warp there, uh, but you can't warp uh, no, you other can't, places. You can, yeah, you can't warp back uh, once more because the the battle has escalated. The you actually have to start from almost entirely outside because this the, is your ministry. Has yes, taken this over. is the point of where we like the flame troopers, the super extra guys. They're in like heavy red armor and they yeah. have fire and they oh and no, crazy things. These are like uh, 
their like red armor is I think a reference to Tokugawa's red devils. Tokugawa being the ultimate unifier of Japan at the end of this era. He beat the other guy that I was real into. Nobunaga. Yeah. He beat everyone. I don't even think Nobunaga was in the picture at that point. Okay. Tokugawa is kind of like the Japanese Tao Tao. Okay. And we did, you mentioned him at the top. I had a squad of crack troops called Tokugawa's like his red devils. And they were known for their like, they're like deep red armor. That's cool. Which also I think samurai are often associated with now too, because their right. armor. Okay. We still have their armor. Because winners write the victory. Winners yeah. write history. So okay. I, you see kind of that kind of armor Parallel. worn, and that's how you know these are the elite troops coming in. And you would assume then that this means this is the end. This is the end. Yeah. So you, the top of the castle, you've discovered that uh, Ishin is dead. Emma is mourning Ishin. Kuro has been abducted. And it looks like he is... Yeah, man, Ishin got that off-screen death. He, and, Sad. And Kuro has been taken by... Actually, I think you, I think you even see his body just laying there. Yes. Yeah. And if you didn't get his... Um, if you didn't get his fighting techniques earlier, Emma <laughs> will be like, he wanted me to give this to you. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we've got Ishin dead, Emma... Sad. Sad. Kuro abducted. <laughs> and... <laughs> Genichiro, still MIA. <laughs> Wolf, mad as hell. <laughs> and not going to take it lying down. So you rush back through Ashina Castle, fighting your way, and you go back to the field where you initially fought Genichiro. And Wait. this is where Lindsay wants to say something. I do. I'm sorry. Before we get to, you know, the big ending, I we, we would do the sculptor a disservice by not completing oh, his you, art you here. You find this out before you, like right around the time that you need to go to the place where you originally tried to rescue Kuro. Yes. You know, like your original. So you, you clearly know it's like, oh, go here. And this is the end of the game. And yeah. being any veteran video game player, you're going to be like, well, I'm allergic to that spot. Better see what's on every if, other part of the map. Travel in the opposite direction. Yes. You will. You have to make it through the legions of the, the, the interior army. Yeah. And you will see that their back line is being eradicated by some giant flaming monkey-like demon that you can then fight. Would you call him orangutan? Orangutan-ish. <laughs> I think that's a good uh, good description right there. So yeah, if you go back to the abandoned temple, the sculptor is no longer there. And as you said, you, f- you fight your way back through that and find out that the demon, this demon is eradicating all of their back line. Yeah, this is like a big boss and it's just called the demon of hatred. But you'll notice he's a giant fiery monkey guy with one arm. Yeah. And when you eventually do beat him, because it is a relatively difficult fight. I Okay, guys, I'm real proud because as I said, I spent a lot of this game fighting it the wrong way where I'm just dodging, dodging, dodging and hitting. That works so well on the yeah. Demon of Hatred. This is not a demon who's... Like, you can break his posture, and you can, like, parry a lot of what he does, but this is definitely, like, a Dark Souls kind of boss. Yes, this boss was my moment. And I think... I mean, we'll touch on this a little more when we reach the final fight of the game, but this is an interesting place where mechanics are telling you a story, too, mm-hmm. because... A lot of the game, you're fighting these other warriors and it's about balancing poise and trying to be the first one to break poise. And it's like, I'm blocking or I'm using like 
this armor or some sort of yeah, technique it's, or strategy. It's modeling like these romantic battles yes. from like Chambara films. But when you fight the ape, any, any of the times you fight the ape, because yeah. we didn't touch on this, but you can just keep fighting him mm-hmm. and him and his girlfriend at some point. And when you fight the demon of hatred, that kind of goes out the window. It kind of rewards <laughs> you for just dodging around and Sorry. then getting into hitting. I'm just imagining no. the guardian ape being in his new hideout <laughs> with his girlfriend. Like, finally we are at peace. What? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> this guy again. How would he find me? <laughs> Sekiro jumping in with crazy eyes. <laughs> He's like, I found my uh, morally acceptable purpose, and it's murdering monkeys. Because you are an abomination, sir. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So this demon of hatred also embodies that kind of... The mechanics are telling you he isn't this classical warrior. He isn't using strategy. He's just overcome with this need to just kill and, and cause violence. Exactly. And then this is... And when you beat him, you hear him saying, like, thank you for freeing me. Wait, no way. Really? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not exactly that, but you do hear the sculptor, and uh-huh. he's like, you know, thanks. He's like, peace out. Cool. I, okay. I didn't know that. That's a happier and, ending than I remember it being. And the memory of the demon of hatred, which, because... Yeah, one, of the, one of the items you get for beating the demon of hatred confirms that this was the sculptor. The sculptor... Uh, Gave in to hatred and lost his purpose in life. I have to say, it's interesting how comfortable Sekiro is with some of its more ambiguous things. Like, for example, the old men of the white tree, the, the yeah. mini dragons. <laughs> yes. While, while also being totally fine with beating you over the head <laughs> with yeah. certain... Because I remember I saw, like, I had gone back to the temple and the sculptor wasn't there. And then I went out and I found this big demon that had one arm. And I was like, whoa, I bet that's the sculptor. And it was a very cool moment. And then the game was like, hey, hey, did you know, did you know this is the sculptor? Hey, did you know this was the sculptor? Did you, did you get that? Did you, yeah. it's the sculptor. I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you, game. Who is that lady outside of the dragon? Yeah. And I, and I'm guessing it's like, oh, clearly. <laughs> the writers made a decision where they're like, a certain amount of this game is going to go unexplained. So it cannot be the core arc of the main character. I yeah. Guess. Well, I think but that that boss is optional and the opposite direction of the end of the game. That's true. That's a pretty easy side boss to miss. And I'm just going to say though, uh, I think that there might have been a plan for DLC based off of the lack and the big the hole like in it. the lore. Yeah. I think it would have been similar to the Dark Souls One DLC where you get to go back in time and experience Artorius and like the great yeah. knights. But of why old. would they not do that DLC? Because Sekiro was yeah. very successful. I think I, it, it. I don't know. It's been what like I a will year say, and a half since it came out. I think that everything in the Dark Souls One DLC is essentially just playing out exactly what you already suspected happened. Right. But with Sekiro, I really I have questions. don't know what's going on in heaven. I do think I do think that they are trying to show you that the worlds of, of selfish humanity and this dragon, they intersect frequently. And the things that we're doing with this gift on Earth is even having effects in heaven. Yeah. So Kuro's desire to fix, like to sever humanity from heaven... Could be good. Is, yeah, possibly good for both heaven and earth. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. But that's a very, like, abstract explanation for well, why that's happening. 
Chris, I, you should make the DLC. Dude, the first time I saw those dragons in heaven, I thought that was just the natural life cycle of dragons. Like, I, maybe oh, it is. Yeah. I, you, you're born, you become a big dragon, then, then you, become you become this become little, little dragon. dragon. <laughs> maybe. I don't know what else to... Think. And there's only one young big dragon And, and they're all Sakura dragons because the white trees, I think those are Sakura. Yeah, I think they are. Like, they are pink, but you could also call I them white. I don't know. So that's the demon of hatred. That was his arc. He is the Shiro that you avoided turning into. I think the tipping point for him certainly was not only manufacturing weapons for you Mm -hmm. and having his mind set back on war and away from carving the Buddhas, but also the invasion of the castle where it was the tipping point and possibly Ishin being killed. You know, if they still had some sort of connection, if he heard through Emma, if he knew somehow, if he just sensed it, mm-hmm. I think that that could be a snapping point for him, that maybe there was some sort of promise to Ishin to pursue this noble path that he's like, well, Ishin's gone, the castle's fallen, everything's like messed up anyway. And he just gives in as he's fighting to defend the castle. Yeah. I, think, I think that's a good interpretation. Yeah, I, think that's a fair I just interpretation. love that. I love that part. Yeah. I also want to point out like, I, this isn't really like anything new in the story, but the game really lets you kind of explore the interplay between the the battling factions at this point. Yeah, because you can definitely lead. You can lead Ashina. Such a frustrating moment. The, um, what is it called? The Interior Ministry uh, soldiers. And you can make them fight each other, and that makes it easier to kill the Interior Ministry. If you go ahead of the of the Ashina people and kill the interior ministry and make it clear that you're leading them after you've killed all of the interior ministry people, they kill you. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, to you fair. would all be dead. Well, well to be fair, you did I just murder your way point, into the castle. So I often then went back and killed the weaker Ashina people. <laughs> yeah. But at first <laughs> yes. I tried to help them mm. and they would just kill me eventually anyway. And I was yeah. like, why am I helping you? So demon of hatred, he's dead. We're rushing to get Kuro, who yes. has been abducted and has been abducted this whole time. He is he is the princess slash the Daphne of this game. So you go and go back to the field where you originally got your arm cut off. Yeah. And standing there is Kuro, who has been injured. He falls to the ground, bleeding. And in the distance, you see Genichiro holding another mythological blade called the Black Blade, which is said to open the gates to the underworld. And he he injured Crow for his blood. Yeah, he okay. you, he wanted the blood to I'd imagine get that power up to gotcha. get extra. So power. he and I can I point out how underdeveloped this partner blade to the mortal blade is it's you could completely miss it if you don't eavesdrop and read something there's a chest there's a chest that appears outside of ishin's room like half like seven eighths of the way through the game and it's not even outside of his room in a place you would normally go to it's like in a it's the opposite side of how you normally get to his room yeah so it's it's a weird choice, but it explains it, that the black blade is a I, thing I that exists. I feel like the black yeah. blade it's a sister is sister blade, and that it opens up portals to the underworld. I think it's obviously very important because three of the four endings involve this sword. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm just saying. I I almost got the feeling that this blade is only there to explain the last boss. Yes, which I mean, Sterling, you want to take it away? So. Finally, you, you go up against Genichiro, and it's this poetic moment because yeah. you're fighting him in the same spot where you got bested by him yeah. at the and very beginning time, of the he game. He goes down like a punk. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you fought him 
this is your third time fighting him. Yeah, yeah I think that you've mechanically, so much. the fight is exactly the same as it, like the first, the second, and the third time. He doesn't lightning you this time. Yes, he does. I don't remember. Doesn't, uh, no. I, you may kill, I may kill him so fast. Yeah, I don't actually remember. But I, overall, it's not like they made him easier for this fight. I think he just has less life or something. He's only yeah. got one bar yes. instead of mm-hmm. two. And you, are, I think you are so familiar with this fight. Yeah. That it, you're like, <laughs> well, not I, this time, he's a sir. different because I, I had him in a pattern. He's so easy to trap in a pattern mm-hmm. in the last battle mm-hmm. that I could never get, get to work in like the normal fight with him. So, oh, okay, as, so you think it's it, maybe like the AI is tweaked a little? Yeah, no, I feel no, like no. the AI is more aggressive. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to... He does attack a little bit more often, but as like somebody that tried to speed run this game, uh-huh. it's almost exactly the same. What? It's what? like I think it just feels that much easier by that point in the game. Maybe. Yeah. So you you've grown, which it shows, I, I love. It finally yeah. shows like that moment, like where it, it's very well done and easy to do in RPGs where you have levels where it's like, oh well, your levels are so much different. Yeah. But in this, you've actually had to learn skills that you the player have to use so so that's an element of i think of martial arts and like chambara films i think video games probably can convey better than a, a movie in some ways yeah like a, or a book or something where like you are jackie chan fighting thunder leg again like you are someone who has learned from these these past mistakes and you were intimidated the first time and now he's just kind of this annoying first phase you get through through yeah. to fight the final boss. I also think like in a movie and I'm less familiar with martial arts movies, funnily enough, mm-hmm. but it's, it's usually you watch a character fail and then they have to go learn a secret technique or go work out a little or something like that. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, it would be really boring to watch a movie where they're just like studying film and being like, okay, I see their patterns and their openings now and I'm ready to go exploit them. But in the video game, that's what you do. And in a real, like in a real fight, if you're an actual, like if you're competing in it, that's what you do. You try to learn other people's patterns and see how you can exploit them. You don't just go back to your instructor and say, well, I I lost. What now? And your instructor's like, aha, I've been waiting to teach you this special kick. Do you you remember when uh, you were (laughs) washing my car all summer? Yeah. Use that. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not. Everyone would just teach that all the time. Yeah. But the I mean, video you do game get some tricks, right? Like yes. you have new abilities. But overall, I think in a video game, especially in Sekiro, you feel how you can learn yeah. a pattern and exploit that pattern with your abilities. And and it kind of models that you know this person better. Yeah. Right? Like Oh, Genichiro. Genichiro's personality as told through his martial arts is mm. something that you are deeply familiar with. Now. Yes. Except for him now using the the his other descent into blade. a more chaotic fighting style too. So, yeah. yeah, as as this fight goes as this fight goes on, you uh, learn that you, you totally you know, beat you, 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 you crush him. Mm-hmm. And before he submits def- to you and admits defeat, he takes out the black blade, which, if you remember, we brought up about five minutes ago, and has it has three characteristics which are just listed on one item, and that it is the sister blade of this mortal <laughs> blade. It is um it's ima- ma- imagine it's magic. item descriptions weren't there, Genichiro would be like, and now I will use the black blade, which is the sister of your blade, and also it can enter the underworld. And it opens and I will up, use it now. Yeah, and it opens up portals <laughs> to the underworld. So just so you know. He takes it and slices his own neck, his neck 
cracks to the side. He does, and doesn't he? From do... the wound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crawls yeah. out Ishin. It is. A young Ishin, a younger Ishin. Ishin at his peak. Yes. It is like a jaw dropping moment. Yeah. I mean, Genichiro is just cracked in half, and Ishin's like shedding his skin. Yeah. And yeah, he is full on young and wearing some fancy gear. He's younger. got a fancy hat. <laughs> younger. Yes. Which I like that. He's not like 20. He's he's like old. He's like 50. But this is him at like the top of that arc. Yes. Uh, where he's like, you know, before he it's cuts like all, off. All uh, downhill from he, here. Yeah. Before yes. he, I, I imagine this is before he cuts off orangutan's arm. Mm-hmm. And then is like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't become full-fledged murder machine. And I will or, say. Well, like I'm at, I'm at a point where I now see that if I take one step further, what I will become. Yeah. yeah. He so he emerges from Genichiro at his prime physically, but mentally he has his memories through the end yes. of his life. And I think it's important to point out this is another code happening here, right? He is coming back from the underworld because his his heir, his like grandson, his grandson, yeah. is t- asking for this last dying request. And he is fulfilling his duty as like uh, this patriarchal figure to him. And the dying request is just to beat Sekiro. Yeah, just kill beat Sekiro, Sekiro and, which and at this him. point I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know what Genichiro has to gain from it anymore. Yeah, I assume maybe it's just general desperation, and he is. I mean, they make it clear that you'll go insane if you continue drinking the waters because that happened in Mibu Village. Imagined that he believes he being Genichiro here that Kuro is now the only remaining heir of the Ashina clan and that he can't be taken away and like absconded off with. It's, so I mean, it's oh. possible he's, so he's trying to save, Kuro. I think he's trying That's to save cool. Ashina and I with his dying breath. He summons like his grandfather at the peak of his might, which is th- his grandfather who united a kingdom mm-hmm. um, with just his strength alone to take down you so that, you don't take away the only hope that Ashina, uh, that, that Ashina has. Just, has. Someone can come get Kuro yeah. if they need yeah. to. Anyone can get he's, he's, We've yeah. established it's pretty easy to just take Kuro. Kuro yeah, Kuro is like a lemming. He yes. doesn't know where to go if you don't. <laughs> so you and Ishin battle. And as, as we said earlier, it is very Rolling. different yes. from... He definitely... From his old. He's not waiting fight. for you in this fight. He is. He's, he's creating like these huge AOE waves. Yeah. Like he's relentlessly attacking you. This is one you just have to learn. You just have to learn this fight. Yeah. And. Oh, and he does the true version of the Ashina like focused strike. Yeah. yeah. With one arm for some reason. Because <laughs> he's just doing. Just to prove a point. Oh, just Isn't to show holding, you, you could have been doing. He's holding a sword and a wakizashi. Oh, I thought he was holding a sword and a spear. A spear. Well, he gets a spear later, but in the first round, he has a sword and like a short, like a dagger. I don't know. I know he definitely upgrades to the spear for second yes, round he does. two, in phase round two. two, and then he pulls out a gun sometimes. Yes. In the first phase, <laughs> yes, he does. He's mostly using, like a true sound. He actually pulls out like a six shooter, which does I don't think really exists. He like, let me invent rifling. He I, found it. I brought this back from hell. As you say, he found <laughs> like, it in hell. Like hell, just like the rest of our time travel, doesn't make any sense. And it turns out like I met. A, we got a real gun control uh, <laughs> problem in hell. <laughs> yeah. Billy the Kid somehow like lent me this. And you're like, Billy the Kid, who's that? You know what? Don't worry about it. You also don't want to know what happens in the future either. But So he, okay. I, I'm remembering him as doing a two sword style 
in the first round, which is significant. Um, the reason why he does that is because like he'll do the 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 focus strike with one hand. I remember the whoosh whoosh. Dodge. The, yes. He will turn around and stab you with a dagger. Yes. That's significant because because it sucks. There is a famous Japanese swordsman named uh, Miyamoto Musashi. Yes, okay. and he is famous for using for sometimes using two swords. He would use his normal regular one sword and, a short sword. and his like wakizashi, and he also something he would do in a real fight. But sometimes he just really wanted to style on somebody. Oh my gosh! And when he wanted to do that, he would fight with both weapons at the same time. And against you like a Asian's weaker just like opponent, flexing. and he's just fucks it, fucking with you. <laughs> like he's saying, like I'm just gonna trick you for a little bit. I don't need like my full power. So he is using this thing that is famous for being like that's really cool. The samurai who like you know he he has some room to play with you, right? That's cool. And notably, I don't think he brings the gun out in this stage either. No, yeah, that's near the end. Uh, so you you eventually beat <laughs> down. He has light. There is something beyond the sword. He, he has lightning powers too, right? He does lightning yes, he things. Does in the final round. Which is, you don't, he doesn't do that at all. Can I, oh my God, I just version. put together how amazing that is because the whole game has built up Genichiro as being the only person from Ashina who's like willing to learn foreign styles. Yeah, he's willing to explore. And then they reveal that Ashina's like, you know what? I, Ishin. I, I, I Ishin. Did, or, yeah, sorry. Ishin's like, I did dabble in this. Yeah. Well, you know, I, mean, I, I wasn't sure if it, it was that or if it was after he's passed on, he just mm-hmm. can do that. No, I, I, I read it. I like to oh, read no. it as how Chris just did. Cause okay. what it's saying to me is Ishin is still working to build the perfect sword form. Yeah. And so he's going to dabble and figure everything out. He wants to make it just right. So he doesn't care about the other foreign things, but like, yeah, he took the one thing that he thought really like complemented whatever he was like missing. And right? and in the end, all of the Ashina style is based off of Ishin. And Ishin went out into the world trying to That's fit, a good learn point. That's a good point. and consolidate his own martial yeah. art. And I, I kind of imagine like, you know, Genichiro probably imitated everything about Tomoe, right? Yeah. I imagine Ishin watching this fighting style and being like, yeah, I could beat that. I can beat that. Because <laughs> he did. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like he conquered most of that area. And then he saw the lightning and he was like, I, I, I might need that. <laughs> I should know what to do about that. Exactly. And I want to point out the game. Oh, that battle does such a good narrative thing with the lightning. So that, that last phase can potentially be the easiest phase in the whole fight. If you can do, if you can redirect the lightning, even just once, it's like half his life. So it's like designed to be this climactic moment. Yeah. Because I remember thinking like, I'm almost dead. And he did the lightning. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. And I have to now deflect lightning over and over again to beat him. Yeah. he was still at half-life. I did it once. And it put him in death blow status. Okay. And so the game, I feel like the game really wants you to beat him. It rewards you for it. Yeah. So you you get him down in the last death blow and he goes into kneeling uh, and the typical seppuku, seppuku? Uh, seppuku? Yeah, stance. Where Wait, he, does he really? Yeah, he takes a sword out and he cuts oh, his shit. stomach and he's like, do it, finish me. And you, your and finishing you blow is off. cutting oh, his head off. I yeah. forgot about that. And then at, That's the, interesting. at the end of that, we finally get to... What is that? Okay. So that means you don't I, actually beat him. Also... Like, you, like, well, you beat him, but he's like, but now I'm ready to die because you defeated me. But was he alive? 
Apparently, was he a ghost? He, I think he came back to life. He's just his is what's his body doing back in the palace? I he gets a second body. He came back with a purpose and then once he saw that he would not accomplish his purpose and that he had been Is he just a ghost given form? That he and he's a human being. That's why your death blow does anything to him. Right, but don't ask me about why it doesn't. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's, okay, let's just not think your about death blow. That you don't. You don't use your kusabi maro sword. You use the oh, mortal, the mortal blade. blade. So you actually do. Yes. You you cut through him. Yes, it's almost. Uh, oh, and you're right, and that's why you fight like the guardian ape again and and stuff like that. Because you why need the you mortal the blade multiple times. The mortal blade severs the ties between exactly. life and so the battle's over. Genichiro's dead. Ishin is dead, and Kuro is dying. So you run over to him and you have three options. And these options are based off of the choices you made throughout the rest of the game and gathering items. So the first one, sever immortality. You kill Kuro. The uh, end. The end. You, you, you fixed it. But the, Ashina's <laughs> probably gone. The, and the epilogue is you're... We've it, established Sekiro does not care about well, actually, Ashina. And, and well, you know what? Ashina, I'm pretty sure, is fucked in every single end. Well, yeah, I think yes. Ashina is messed up at the end of every single one of them. But at the end of this one, you kill Kuro and... The last scene you see is Emma dropping off your shinobi prosthetic and you sitting hunched over just like the sculptor carving, yeah. uh, carving uh, Ashura, or Buddhas that all yeah. have the face of wrath on them. Which, if anything, I think shows like a, a cyclical nature of things because the last person to be like that, Tomoe severed his bond, right? She made the same decision. Yeah. Or they made the same decision. Oh, you mean the last person like Kuro? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Tomoe did a similar thing, probably. Right. And then like it, in, in it fact, set up this world state epidemic when Tomoe was yeah. alive right. and something yeah. solved it. So I think that speaks to, you know, the repetitive nature of things, which is an interesting ending. And I think it it's is not my fave one. It also it kind is, of speaks to the Sengoku era a little uh-huh. bit as well, because the Sengoku era was just battle after war yeah it's war. like it's kind yeah. of like this is the this is the same story new faces create this this journey right? yeah okay so next ending the next ending is you've gone into the past taken out the real ever blossom somehow from your mem- your dad's memory thanks buddha and <laughs> you can use that in addition to some of your other items to sever your own immortality and which by killing yourself allows Kuro to be free of this curse. And that means he's free to go and live life without the worries of immortality shackling him down. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you have given him the freedom to become a Buddha. That's true. Um, I think that was an interesting ending. And then the last ending is convoluted. Oh my gosh, the weirdest ending. That, to get that ending, you have to go meet the, the child created by the Sempo monks. Yeah, we yeah, mentioned you forever her. ago, she like an hour you, ago. She gives you rice, and eventually, if you keep asking her to make you rice, which, first of all, the fuck is she getting this rice? Like, what does this mean? Why is it important? But you take it, and you eat it, and you come back, and you ask her for more. And she's sick, and you give her a persimmon, and it makes her happy. And then, I'm not going to get into this whole thing. She... Find, uh, tells you of a way to save Kuro. Yeah. And that would be for 
her to carry him to the West. Here, I think. And I will she say, gives you frozen tears. This ending has the most hoops to jump through, which automatically makes it the best ending. I don't care how it actually ends. Oh my God, do you, the more you have to do, I assume, I'm like, this must be the best ending because it's the hardest ending. Do you think, and I kind of want to come back to the way we usually assume that the hardest and happiest endings are like yeah. the real one, right? Yeah. But do you, so think about how different it is for you to get that tear from the dragon, right? Like for the dragon, you invade his home, you kill his granddads or whoever those are, <laughs> whatever those you little... jump on his fucking face <laughs> and you just dig tears out of his eyes. Probably because you inflicted, you made him cry, create those tears after killing his, all, yeah. all his grandpas. And then you come back to like Kuro and you're like, I have a, I have obtained the tears. <laughs> Of your ancestor, uh, but but with the 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 other ear uh, heir, like the divine child, you treat her with kindness, right? Like you you give her what she wants. You create this relationship with her, and then she willingly gives you the tear. So, question, not to interrupt. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. That's it. I think okay. That's well, I, I think the that there's right? something interesting also to delve into, and that is, do you think that? the dragon like do you think that the divine divine child do you think she is a little old man dragon no no (laughs) stop do you think she is uh what would happen if japan had looked inward and developed their own type of self image and self-identity instead of trying to steal from china and their identity Hmm. because she becomes divine based off of the work of the monks within Japan. So you're saying instead of going to this source and and, and copying directly, you they she is of, the product of independent invention? Isn't she still yeah. a copy, she's, though? Because they said that they made her and all the others the in well, an attempt to copy like what Kuro sure is. Sure, they're imitating it, and they're ma- but they made their own thing. Whereas the dragon is mm-hmm. just... Chinese doesn't it still use something from the dragon the water right? yeah it's still connected I, li- I, I like what you're going for I don't think there's enough in the, the text of the I game do, I do think it. a lot of what what you're interpreting here is my fault for bringing up all of the <laughs> because in the game the stuff about the west isn't is China but more directly and from Ashina's perspective it's the country won over yeah Ashina right too, right right that's fair but uh, lowercase West, but we, the, the, the player can read that because of historical knowledge. We can read that as essentially like China, but I don't know. It's, I so, couldn't tell you what it is about. So, okay. So you, anyways, you get gonna, these frozen. Yeah. Tears. We'll just wrap yeah. up the ending. You get the tears from her and you give them to Kuro instead of killing you or your, or Kuro. Yeah. And then Kuro, uh, kind of goes comatose and you bring his body to the divine child such a weird and she goes she touches she touches him and he Uh, becomes like a pile of motes of dust like just a bunch of dust and then it goes into and goes into her and she's blind now also and you have to (laughs) lead her to the west to return the dragon to to where it originally started originally came from okay and then it ends with you guiding this blind little girl to on a journey to the west with kuro in her body Very, yeah like somehow a, a sequel hook kind of again i 
this game had a lot of questions. There are a lot of things that are still very open-ended. Yeah. And I'm not sure we're going to get a DLC or a sequel yeah. at this point because that the Fromm's got Elden Ring. Yeah. A huge project coming. Allegedly. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, we'll allegedly. See. It's coming along with the Winds of Winter, so you know, whenever we get that, that's uh, Well, now that Elden Ring is done, I'm I think 2020 is the year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter, A Song of Ice and Fire uh, book 6. Yeah. So, okay. Of eight. I know normally <laughs> normally we have like segments of subtopics to go into, and we did have those listed. I think we hit them as we went. Yes. I I, I don't and think this we can is... get into Jinzaemon and Dogen and <laughs> Boy, guys, there's a lot to cover with this game. It turns out this is the game we had the most to say about because we're clocking in around three hours. Boy. So thank you, listeners, for sticking with us and I think hearing we our thoughts. Like um, Wolf did to Kuro, we must set you free. Mm. Yeah. and Is that the ending you... Ch- Wait, what ending did everyone choose their first playthrough? Uh, I think I accidentally did the homecoming ending. Is that the blind child one? Well, I... I didn't wait. Is that the blind girl one? The yes. weird one? Okay. Because wow. I that was me too. Yeah. I didn't know me too. where the items were. So I like did Found what everything. she told me to do. Cause I thought that was, she was the only direction that. you were, you, you're really getting. No, yeah. so. Isn't that the one where you have to like kill the giant snake and then go back and check it again? Yes. There's some weird shenanigans you have to do well, to get also, everything. She just tells you stuff. Whereas the other ones, you have to go eavesdrop on people. And I'm like, I respect oh, people's privacy. Yes, that's yeah. true. <laughs> what am I, Tony I, Stark? I did not discover the second memory. I was Someone told me about it. I was like, what? How did you get that? And you're like, oh, well, you just have to eavesdrop more. Oh, I guess I did have to. You have to and eavesdrop like, oh. until you've exhausted all conversation. Yeah. Oh, wait. Do you not have to do the owl memory in order to get that homecoming ending? You do not. You don't. Oh, you only no. get that one if... To get gotcha. the uh, you self sacrifice, yeah, yeah, interesting. I don't know why I, I think like that ending's that. the happiest ending, the homecoming one. I guess because there's a chance everyone still well, lives. I think, no, I think that yeah, there, that one is the happiest no. ending because everyone has a chance of still living. I, but I, I like, like the that. the eavesdropping one, I think it's important because you are learning that everybody's keeping things from you and that there is an alternative way to still fulfill your master's orders. Yeah. And that's your own death. Okay. And does they, are, anyone, they care enough about you that they don't want you to do that. Does anyone else think that Emma kind of has the hots for Sekiro? Or am I just yeah. always trying to put romance into every story I'm involved with? Um, yeah. I think, that's why, this, I think that's why she maybe. kept it from him. They have some cute moments. Yeah, I think that there might be some chemistry, but she wasn't walking with the divine child and him out to well, the west. I mean, it's a oh, yeah. crush. Not she's not married. To I him. mean, we had some good times drinking together. Yeah, like I, I think she was into him, not ready to commit her whole life to <laughs> journeying into the west <laughs> with a blind she's girl. Like, I, I have a job. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a doctor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I got a lot of injured people here. And Sekiro could have been like. Well, I'm gonna need some doctoring. <laughs> Do you guys oh think gosh. that the the mem- that Buddha takes you to this memory so that you can get some closure on your relationship yeah. with your father and I feel better about dying? I think that you're trying to make the Buddha thing work too much. Do we not have we not all accepted that Buddha's taking you to this memory? No, oh for sure. I just think you're trying to give him a no, motivation I'm, I'm that aligns with why is it that that memory is specifically for the ending where you sacrifice oh that's what made me think that that is interesting because that's the ending where you finally you actually have are not obeying any particular code yeah do that ending you have broken the iron code 
and you're going against Crow's wishes. So this is the arguably the ending where you are making your own decision. Yeah. You think that that's the real Bodhisattva's path? I, I don't know. That's actually why I think it's interesting that like, I didn't really feel the most satisfied by the homecoming ending, even I, though it no, is because it makes the no most sense. work, arguably the happiest ending, but it's the ending where I, I just felt like confused. It, it was trying to give me too much. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. tell you, uh, the ending that I liked the best was the Shura ending, where you become mm-hmm. like the demon. Interesting. And that's the only one where is, you yeah. actually get what you deserve. <laughs> well, like what your character wants, like anything yeah. else is you serving somebody, you sacrificing something, or you journeying to save somebody. That's the only one that is an actual well, like, ending. I guess when you kill Kuro, that's kind of the best ending for Sekiro. I guess he ends up just being a sculptor. I think that's the that's worst, the worst ending. ending. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I All right. actually, well... It has the potential to end up with him also becoming a demon in that one. That's true. I mean, we have one where he definitely becomes a demon, and I'm fine with that. But the potential to become a demon, that's much worse. I I think (laughs) that ending is supposed to feel the most, like, kind of depressing because they want you to go off the beaten path and find the other one. it is definitely the least work. The least work and the least reward. Yeah. You know what? I guess I do like the one where uh, the wolf sacrifices himself. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, to wrap this up, why don't you guys pick one thing that we didn't get to cover? Oh, no. There's so much in this. We don't have time for that. And in one sentence, you just say what it is. I don't know if I have one thing that we didn't get to cover that I liked. We did a damn good job. Uh, We did a three hour job. (laughs) Sterling, you start. No pressure. Uh, I really, really, really liked all of the side character storylines. Yeah. Mm. But specifically, I liked the simple-minded monk's storyline where he was told by all of the one evil monks run-on sentence <laughs> that he was that that like all the evil monks told him that he needed to go do his job and find the right pinwheel. And if you bring him oh, the right yes. pinwheel, yeah, yeah. if you bring him the right pinwheel, he ascends to Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. And if you bring him the wrong pinwheel, you can turn, turn him into him, a yeah, zombie Frankenstein monster. Evil. So I um or make him a, like a, a work slave for a, a merchant. I think that the the one thing we didn't get to talk about that I like is what is it? Oren, the the lady boss side boss yeah, like a mini boss over of the water or something like yeah, that yeah. the the culmination of jinzeman's storyline yes the guy that you run into multiple times and if you talk to him and do the right things it progresses him to Orin, and she's this crazy lady ghost who is like are you this man that i loved and then just fights you and when you kill her it turns out maybe that this guy that you've known is her son there's like a lot happening there yes. And it's kind of mysterious. That's like the right amount of mysterious for this game for a side boss. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. Also, her the fight was frustrating. I'm not going to sit here and lie. But the sound effects during that boss fight. My God, yeah. Real cool. Really cool. I mean, if Blade on Blade <laughs> is like a theme in, in Sekiro, that fight is like the culmination. Yes, of that, right? it was really cool. I think my favorite thing is the way that the game uses the, the verticality of like the architecture and your movement on it to kind of show you how there's this disconnect between what the ruling class, like what decisions they're making and like 
what the people on the ground are going through just to kind of be pawns in this. Oh yeah. There's so like a yeah. huge disconnect. And when you, and like it shows up in the gameplay, like when you are on the ground, that's when it's at its bloodiest, when you are in the most danger, when everyone is in the most danger and you're really seeing the most violence happening. And Sekiro c- kind of weaves between the ground level and the s- safer upper levels, which invariably are where the main characters are talking to each other is at the top of Ashina castle or yes. even further above either that Fountain or at the, the temple with the um, sculpture. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, good game. We liked it apparently as much as we liked breath of the wild. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. certainly more to cover <laughs> Well, for a plot. That is, true. yeah, it's got more structure. I'd say. Than oh, breath I think it helps that, I mean, you guys are both big fans. I mean, I am too, but you guys are especially big fans of this kind of subgenre of games and its approach to storytelling, you know, the Soulsborne yes. games. Although I will say, I think even though I really like Sekiro and there are a lot of moments where its environmental storytelling plays like a huge role, just like I like what I just mentioned. I think a lot of it feels a little bolted on. Like, yes, it's kind of how I felt about Persona Five, where you can tell that they had the system made for a very specific story, and they kind of fit a different story onto it. And when it worked, it worked really well. But there are some holes where yes. you're like, I don't know if this is the most elegant. I think maybe that's why we had so much to say. I, of all the games we've covered so far, this is the one I still have the most questions about the plot. Yeah, yeah and I, I know that that's partly because of the way the story is told through like mm-hmm. this almost archaeological way of finding what items are. But I don't, I don't are, have this but... same kind of feeling about Bloodborne. Like I have questions about Bloodborne, but here I feel like I see something that's supposed to give me an answer and I, st- I still have questions. Like, like you feel like you're more comfortable with the questions you have in Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Yes, rather than those like- questions feel intentional. Mm-hmm. Whereas the questions I have here, I don't know if the, the writers want me to have. Like am I missing, yeah, have I, have I missed some important communication? Yes. What, you're saying that you're comfortable with questions raised about Lovecraftian horror? <laughs> what? <laughs> Abstract Lovecraftian horror. What a twist. Well, to give you an example, right? Like in Bloodborne, you enter dreams all the time because like you don't know why, but yes. you know that like because of your knowledge of the genre that like physical dreams are a thing in Lovecraftian yes. stories. But in Sekiro, even... <laughs> Having like read all of the material, like I'm a huge fan of a lot of the things that Sekiro takes influence from. Right. And like, I get like some of the references are real deep cuts, but like you can get them. Like the lilac umbrella is definitely like Lady Snowblood's Mm -hmm. purple umbrella. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. I love that. But then there's these things where I'm like, why is the persimmon so important? Maybe someone (laughs) can tell us why is the snow important? Um, And I I will say because they're delicious. (laughs) I'm impressed that you didn't bring it up as your one thing, but we, we don't have time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But Chris, I know you, you had a lot of problem with the horror as a mechanic or whatever it was called. Yeah, why is fear magic a thing? Yeah. Terror. Terror yeah. magic. Yeah. Was. Why like, is purple? Why is the purple <laughs> magic so important? It's like a recurring theme, but I want to point out it's kind of significant that at no point did it ever really connect to the arc that, we discussed for a wolf no. or the sculptor or getting, I mean, we didn't it's touch like on the hidden generals thing. that are yes. ancient generals either. There's a lot, there's a lot to this game and I didn't, yes. it feels like um, there's world building, which is fun. And it, and it's very interesting to look at that exists just kind of 
tangentially. If you wanted to see it. It's, yeah. it's not necessarily going... It's kind of like there's a lot more things like Velka from... Um, is it Velka? From God of from, War. From Dark Souls. The the the, oh, the god of sin, got the one with the judgment guy in the tower. Like, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. connect to anything really, but cool piece of like yeah, the world cool. to learn about. A lot more of that, I think. Mm. Yeah, in this game. Yeah, uh, for sure. She so had, she had Chris, a damn good rapier. Real quick before we we call yeah, it, uh, as someone who's a big fan of a lot of influences for this genre. Any like top one or two recommendations for people to Some dive further into? Further reading, I love. Further yes, reading. further reading or further viewing. Uh, the entire uh, period piece catalog of Kurosawa, which he is like probably one of the most important directors whose catalog you could go through. Yeah, and I think that's like the blood spray we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a huge influence from him. And quick and, pick. Yeah, and like, yeah, movies of that time. Any like number one movie to, to go to from his? Boy, I started with Yojimbo, which okay. is like a really good movie. But I feel like if you really don't know where to start with Kurosawa, you should start with either Seven Samurai. Which is his most famous. Yes. Or, and this is not a samurai movie, so <laughs> I'm breaking my own recommendation, uh, Ikiru, in okay. my opinion. Okay. And then any... any- like you said, reading. Do you have reading suggestions? Reading. I think there's a lot of manga inspiration here, like Blade mm-hmm. of the Immortal or like... Wasn't uh, Wolf Lone and the Lone Wolf Lone and Wolf. Cub? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of... I feel like there's a lot of that attitude of like being a very pragmatic, willing to do anything to win character that you can see kind of come through in this. And also in Lone Wolf and Cub, like he's taking care of a baby. Yeah. Right? I like it. All right. Well, in the meantime, if you guys have any suggestions for us as we work our way through season two and prep for season three, feel free to email us at playerversusplot at gmail.com. Oh, Ninja Scroll. Sorry. What? Ninja Scroll. <laughs> what it's an anime. The, there, I feel like there's some Ninja Scroll in this game because it's a very supernatural it's an anime. Ninja. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I've been playing too much Slay the Spire and that's an artifact. That's an artifact. <laughs> Uh, yes. Ninja Scroll is like a really like, it's like a dark fantasy ninja horror action movie. Okay, cool. Which I feel like that sums up Sekiro in some ways. And so, yeah, back to the social media. Yeah, 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 no. (laughs) Listeners, if you, like Chris, are very excited and have other recommendations that relate to this, we would love to hear about it. Or if you want to discuss anything with us, you can do so on our Instagram and Twitter page. Yes, or... If you go and check out some of Chris's recommendations and you want to let him know how right or how wrong he is about how good they are, you can always find us on Instagram and Twitter at player versus plot. That's player vs plot. And we're on Facebook too. And we said our email already. Yes, right? we so did send that. send us your theories. Maybe we'll read one of them. Yes. I mean, pushing for it. We'd love to have a theories segment, but we got to get a culmination, a stockpile of some interesting theories to be able to rock that. Well, we appreciate you coming back to listen to season two. This is... I, I don't think that this episode is indicative of the length of most of our episodes this season. No. Hopefully. Oh, my goodness. Just um, a strong but, start. You know, just a passionate start. Thanks for sticking with us, if you have. <laughs> <laughs> I like your optimism, Chris. Like, yeah. Uh, if you have, as to the person listening at three hours, 15 minutes in, Word. whatever. They're like, is this still on? <laughs> God, I went and I went, I went to like do the dry cleaning and then I left it on and oh, I they wake up. I've been asleep for hours. What year is it? That's what I call a classic Sekiro move. 
<laughs> oh, waking up and not knowing anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again, and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>